Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Thicker Podcast. This is episode 302. Uh, Ryan is tickling the mask of Michael Myers, because today we are talking about Halloween Ends, the third and final film in the uh, David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. Um, and, of course, many, many other things. I'm Brandon C. McClure with you guys, as always. Um, and, of course, that's not how I do this. But I'm here today with Sparks. Ili- Sparks? Iliopolis? Wow. You yeah, okay, why not? <laughs> Sparks witty. We just start to pull a thing and, and morph into each other. No, the fusion dance. Not fusion, it's, it's way grosser. Yeah. Plus, because <laughs> we're going to get Halloween time. Yeah. And Ryan Iliopolis. Hi. Evil does not die. It simply changes shape. Um, all right. So uh, before we get just, into our... Just not what? as good of a chant. Evil changes <laughs> shape tonight. Evil changes <laughs> shape tonight. <laughs> they gotta work. Uh, before we get into that, we, we do have some links. Not many links, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two in the description. Uh, the first that I will plug is, of course, our Fegner's Watch series on She-Hulk. That's over. She-Hulk is done. Rip. Hope, hopefully for just the season, and we may get another one, though Tatiana Maslany is not confident, apparently. Mm. Oh, um, I did see that. That's that's just because they haven't talked to her yet, but I'm not worried. I, I hope I hope Tatiana Maslany also said I'm not She-Hulk. So that is true. That she did say that, didn't she? <laughs> that's true. She's a good actor. I loved her blatantly talking about it later where she's like, I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so, so that's that episode nine we've talked we talked about episode nine of she hulk attorney outlaw uh if you want to hear our thoughts on that show um just kind of the show in general and of course the ninth episode um check that out link below and finally he's not here to say anything about it but i figured i should say something about it ben surprised us all this week with a new project a new podcast project the D podcast that he is going to be a part of where he is playing frankenstein's monster yeah, that is very cool. Uh, uh, and they've been like working on it for a while. Uh, that's really cool. I'm excited to watch it because I love D&D and I know he loves D&D. So it's really cool that he gets to actually do something with it. I love that. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one as well. Um, he uh, he did, he texted me something to say about it. I'll, I'll read that out. Uh, it's very it's pretty quick. Um, D&D Dark, which is the title of the thing. By the way, it's a YouTube page that is linked below. So if you want to go subscribe to that YouTube page, Go ahead, check it out. Um, they've got uh, obviously the announcement trailer and then kind of a um, a rundown of who every character is, but this is what Ben has to say. DN Dark is a fifth edition style campaign starring some of the most famous monsters known to pop culture. Ben Magnet, I asked him to write this for like wrote in his voice so he didn't have to do the third person thing. But like, No, nah, it's like for a bio. Bed Magnet plays Frankenstein's monster while friend of the show Grayson plays the Invisible Man. You can listen to DN Dark on all your favorite podcast apps starting this Wednesday. Hell yeah! There you go. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see this one. This is this cool concept. Uh, I wish he was here to say a little bit more about it, but I figure because it is starting Wednesday, uh, I'd like to plug it so people can be aware. Heck yeah! I'm gonna watch them. Definitely gonna watch that. So, who wants to go first of the week? I will. Um, sorry, I. I beat you to it. No, it's okay. Um, I don't have a lot to say. Everything I did, I did with you anyway, basically. <laughs> That's, uh, really? Mostly. Hmm. Um, you read a lot of comics. I did that today. Okay. That's still a lot. <laughs> that's Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> that's literally six hours ago. I'm proud of you. I'm commending you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, I 
for one of the classes I have, we've talked about this a little bit before, I get to see a film and someone from the film comes and talks. Um, for this week, it was uh, Day Shift. So I watched Day Shift again. Um, but the person who came and talked was, uh, um, he was representing the, I forget the name of it. They're the new studio that's been formed out of the um, fight, fight choreography group. They did Bullet Train and um, yeah, day shift up. and it's it's like b b 77 or 18 uh, 87 11 or 87 11 thank you mm -hmm. um yeah so he came he's the guy he, he is the guy who trained keanu reeves for the john wick david films. leach founded it yeah, yeah uh yeah uh david leach founded it. he's good friends with david leach um but he is the guy who uh does all the a lot of the stunt choreography uh fight choreography coordination for them um and was the lead for uh, day shift um you've seen him in all of these movies usually more than once because he's usually a guy getting his ass kicked for like a second he's in the uh hive scene in day shift three times he's the first vampire who drops down he's the vampire who runs out at the end so he bookends the scene and he's also one of the ones right in the middle um cool. hey man makeup you can do that uh it was really cool so they showed like um the only part I really wanted to share here for the podcast is, you know, we talked about Day Shift, we reviewed Day Shift, and uh, they talked about how they did the um, scenes with the old lady uh, at the beginning, the contortionist moments. Um, all of the moments where she's, like, slammed onto the table on her head or slammed into the wall or the fireplace and, like, her whole body contorts to where her head is from when Jamie Foxx hits it. Um, all of those were practical. None of those were CGI. What they did is they had her move into that position, and then they moved her in the action out of it and then reverse the shot. Oh, so cool. all of those shots of her like landing into those positions and everything, they are actually practical. They just reverse the action. Amazing. Which I think That's is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Magic. Um, that was just a really cool tidbit. And they showed a lot of like, we saw the whole, um, he brought the raw footage of their rehearsal space for designing the fight choreography stuff for the sh for the film and so we saw like the entire sequence where they're fighting the old lady but like the very first pass through they did where they're just in a warehouse with like cardboard boxes framing the space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so like they frame the space exactly to the measurements that they know they're going to have and then they work through it and they did the same thing with um the the cavern scene with snoop dogg and jamie fox was supposed to be about twice as long um there was a whole bunch of other beats with uh some different kinds of vampires that they had mixed in but ultimately netflix had them cut it down mm -hmm. Mm -hmm still works though um just really cool stuff and uh i think it's really cool how they talk about like basically everybody who works with them as a studio now knows their way of doing things and that what they want to do is have the action informed character and story and so they're usually at this point he said usually we are brought in very early and we have a lot of months to prepare so we usually <sighs> work with the straight screenwriter to have a sequence and then we're working it and workshopping it before they've actually gotten like the actors to the set and started filming a lot of stuff. We are workshopping the action scenes that we're going to bring to the table. So we do lots of months of prep instead of like two weeks uh, for what's standard for usual action scenes. And yeah, and bullet train was the other one that they've done. Yes. This year. Yes. I, yeah. I brought that up earlier. Bullet train. Yeah, Brandon cool. and I really liked it. I think they did a great job with that as well. Um, they're doing great stuff and they have a very strong passion for like the action should articulate story and character and tell us more about the story. And if it's not doing that, then we shouldn't, we, why are we doing it? Absolutely. That sounds, that sounds like a, a good mantra for an action company. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing is, uh, and you can talk about this with me is I watched the first episode of Chainsaw Man. <laughs> um, 
I was very excited about it. And I realized that I didn't have to get a Crunchyroll account to watch it because it's on Hulu. Hello. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for that. And the animation is stunning. Yeah. Just, just stunning. Uh, um, definitely. Yeah. Uh, because it uses some 3D 3D uh, uh, modeling, and like uh, we've been we've been uh, uh, what's the right word critical <clears throat> of it recently because you know it is a cheaper way of it using animation. But man, Chainsaw Man, it is mostly 2D, and yes. then the 3D that's there, it's used like it's used in a way like it's used for the metal, which makes sense because it looks great in 3D. Right. Um, but like the action is so insane, it's so good, uh, and it's keeping all the again. I've only read one 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 chapter or whatever, but like the one chapter I read is what exactly this one episode it was. Yeah. So it was a one to one of like, no, nah, that's that's it. That's the manga. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I think it's very emotional. I'm very excited. I, I think this is going to be a lot of people's favorite anime when the whole is out. Again, like, the, we won't have the whole out until next year because we're getting the first half of the season, about 13 episodes right now. Yeah. And then there will be a pause. We'll probably get the second half sometime closer to summer next year. Yeah. Uh, but I really am pleased. I think the animation is absolutely stunning. I think it has one of the coolest anime intros, <laughs> nerdiest anime intros uh, I've seen because um, they make so many film references with it, which is just boggling to my mind. Mm -hmm. um, there's a the, the fact that there is a, an invasion of the killer tomatoes uh, reference in that intro is, is wild. Um, so I'm just, I'm just really pleased and I'm very high on that. And then the other thing I mostly did was catching up on another shit I'll talk about at another time and, uh, watching, um, the Halloween trilogy in preparation for this one. I'm sure I'll reference that later, but that's it. I, I, uh, I, I watched the whole Halloween trilogy yesterday. So the whole day I just, just watching and I went from movies anywhere where I have Halloween to, uh, HBO Max, which has Halloween kills, then to Peacock, which has Halloween ends. <laughs> that was fun. Does Peacock not have Halloween kills still? No, it went to it went to HBO Max. Stra streaming licensing's weird. Yeah, licensing's all right. Uh, I'll go. Um, everything he said, I'm also doing. All the shows we're watching and reviewing, I'm watching those. Watch the Halloween movies. Um, I'm still playing the games I'm playing. Multiverses is great. Uh, they added Stripe from the Gremlins. He's really great. He's an assassin character. He's already fast. He's got a chainsaw. I love that. Um, I watched Halloween Ends, and I was like, God, this makes me. This reminds me of something I I, I love so much. So I watched a movie I haven't seen in, in, since I was a teenager, which is David Lynch's Lost Highway. And I don't need to talk about that movie because there's no way to talk about it because it's it's incomprehensible almost. Um, but in a really fun and, and intriguing way. But that's a movie. Uh, about a person who who uh, maybe commits a crime and everyone thinks he's bad and how he becomes a bad person. I'm like, man, this is like a movie. I just watched. It's crazy. Um, uh, David Lynch is great. I love him. Can't believe I got to saw a big blockbuster movie with his inspirations in it this weekend. Can't believe. Talk about it later. Love it. Um, um, that's it. Oh no, I read comics. Sorry, Judgment. Yeah. I read I read like ten comics today. It's all Judgment. It's all the event Judgment. There's tons of tie-ins. Literally every single one of them is written by Karen Gillan. The premise of Judgment, guys, it's awesome. And this is 100% what they're going to do probably with the Eternals and X-Men to make them tie together because it's brilliant. I love it. Um, uh, you have an Eternal Prime, the leader of the Eternals. Uh, uh, Chloe Zhao the Eternals. Uh, Druid, uh, through manipulation and shittery. If you have not read the comics, Druid is their Starscream. Uh, it's not represented well in the movie. Druid is a shitty, backstabbing, conniving, uh, worm-tongue, Saruman lover type of Starscream character. He becomes leader of the Eternals. And Which he's like Druid in the movie? Uh, um, he's the one who can control people. He's like uh, uh, the Joker from the Batman. Right, 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 right. Barry Koenig. 
Yeah, he's yeah. always creepy. Um, not creepy where, enough in Eternals. Where they made it look like they were going the direction Ryan's talking about, and then they curveballed away from it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember. That's, that's a movie story. That's whatever. But but in the comics, Druid becomes the leader of the Eternals, and he's like, yo, our thing is to correct deviation. Mutants, y'all are weird. Your DNA is pretty weird. Y'all are deviants. We're going we're gonna to wipe out all of the mutants to 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 appease our, our celestial overlords so right now uh the scale of this comic's immense like there are there are awesome comics that are like you know end of the world events like this is like the biggest shit on the planet like literally celestials are judging every single person on the planet whether they're worthy of being alive or not the first person to get judged is captain america and he dies for real dies he's gonna come back obviously but captain america's dead right now it's wild it's shit's wild this is four months old so i don't feel bad spoiling it uh because i'm catching up from literally like five months of comics uh, Judgment is awesome. The tie-ins are awesome. All the stuff doing with the Deviants and Crow. Remember Crow from the movie? How they didn't do anything with him? He's great in the comics, man. He wears sunglasses. He's dope. Love him. Um, I just think it's so great. Kieran Gillen is writing so many comics and all of them are good. It's just like the, the output this man is putting out for this event is like unlike any other event I've ever seen. And it's all good. It's all it all it all vibes together when you're reading a tie-in. This is a great version of a tie-in, guys, because something big will happen in the comic, and then you'll read a tie-in, and it extrapolates everything that happened in that smaller moment over 20 pages. So, like, important things are happening, and it feels important. And if you want the context, pick up the book. It's brilliant. I love it. It's awesome. And it still feels impactful. Like, uh, again, other characters are dying in these books. And if you want to see how how it's extrapolated, read X-Men Red or read Immortal X-Men, um, which Karen Gillan and Al Ewing are writing. So it's great. Um, Judgment's great. It's, it's uh, almost over, but there's still like 12 more books I got to read, which is a lot, but uh, I'm excited to pick it up. Comics are back, baby. Nice. Okay. Uh, I apologize if I'm kind of distracted. My I had to bring my, my two dogs up with me um, because Valentina, my dog, has arthritis and a lot of health issues. She developed a new one, which is a, a, a horrible hacking, kind of wheezing sound that we're trying to manage. So if you hear me, if I mute, it's because of that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I only did I only did one thing. I only got one thing I want to talk about. I watched like Rush Hour and Logan. I like those movies a lot. I don't need to talk about those. Um, I watched. Well, I should say I actually finished because for the past two weeks I've been watching Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Mm-hmm. That's a good show uh, on Netflix. Um, I have talked about my love of Studio Trigger, specifically this director, um, many many times. Um, it's such an interesting beast, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, because as as like Promare or Gurren or Kill a Kill, the bigger they get, the the more like the more like important the the hero becomes, and like as things as the scale gets larger, it's to beat the villain and break the universe. Cyberpunk Edge Runners, the bigger it gets, the worse it gets for our heroes, and that's what I really liked about it. It was so, completely like flipped the script on what I am familiar with Trigger. Um, so I really dug it. By the end of the show, I was crying. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Ryan, Ryan said a bunch of stuff when he finished it. Um, so I don't have much else to say other than like, it was really good. Um, especially if you, you know, if you haven't played cyberpunk, which I know a lot of people haven't because I, I know cyberpunk, uh, the popularity grew because of the anime. Um, so well, like the, Yes, but it sold it sold like fifteen million copies before the anime, so it's it's well, still pretty popular. Didn't it like do seventy million after the anime? No, it's only done a couple million more. Oh, seventy million is that's that's a that's a large number. It's only at twenty million right now. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I've never played the game, 
and I there there was a lot that I grew to love, even even still. It's a long, it's a horrible way of just saying like. No, it's a good show. Played, it, if you haven't played the game, show. you'd like you'd like the show. If you haven't played the game, you'd like the show, which is all of, which is what I'm truly trying to say. Yeah, I really liked it. It's great. Studio Trigger is wonderful. Yeah, I wish there was more. There's only ten episodes. Um, okay, but that's all I got. Hell yeah, it's a good show. Shall we do? Shall we do our bread and butter? <gasps> Sounds like it. Yes. So sad news up top. Robbie Coltrane passed away this week at the age of 72. Uh, most people will probably know him from as Hagrid from from Harry Potter. It was a very big role for him. Very big movie franchise. I first was I first knew him from you know, like Ocean's Twelve. I think he's in uh, the James Bond movies. He's into it, the uh, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. Old and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I loved him. I I I really liked him. And obviously Hagrid was a was a very beloved role mm-hmm. of his. Um, that was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah no, no, please. No, I'm just saying he just like we all grew up with Hagrid, and he's like, how do you not love that guy? And it's it's a lot because of Robbie Coltrane and how like how what a, a beautiful like loving like fatherly presence he has. I I would make an argument at least for the first half of the film franchise that Hagrid is the heart of Hogwarts. Oh yeah, and like those yeah. those films beat by his heart. Um, I think especially when you're a kid. No, absolutely. And you first see it. Um, I think that's exactly how it was. Uh, like regardless of you know I, I don't support J.K. Rowling and all that shit anymore. Uh, but um. You know, can't change the fact that like super impactful performance on my childhood for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's difficult to really say anything positive about Harry Potter these days, but like when something like this happens, I think it's really important to kind of just remember the impact that they had at the time mm-hmm. because it was it was really influential. He was such a fan favorite character. Yeah, especially like the warmth and bizarreness he was able to bring with Hagrid just from the first film like the you're a wizard Harry is going to be one of the most iconic cinema lines forever oh yeah like just that whole that whole sequence you know because of him yeah and then uh Angela Lansbury beloved actress 96 it sucked to lose both of them this week it did it didn't it yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't watched because because of the anti-rolling stuff. Sorry, before we move fully to Lansbury, because okay. I thought of this. I, I haven't watched the uh, reunion thing about Harry Potter. Okay. But I have seen people sharing the Robbie Coltrane clip now where he's talking about, uh, you know, Hagrid will live beyond me and like how much that means to him. And that shit hits real hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just watching him talk about it. I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'm kind of glad that that thing got made to some extent. Yeah. I, I did watch it. Kind of my deepest, darkest secret is that I did watch it. Um, I was, it was hard for me to avoid it because I really, it's, it's difficult for me because I, I, I would never support, I, 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 I hate, I hate that I did it. Like, it, like I watched it immediately and I, and I liked it and it's really, and it's really sweet and it's really charming. And it's just all about how the actors are talking about how, how much they love each other and how much they, they, they love being these characters. And for sure how how um what's his name and what's her name emma watson and tom felton were like yeah we could have we could have been dating <laughs> like there was like this mysterious love story that happened behind the scenes and the robbie coltrane stuff made me cry 
Like mm-hmm. it was, it was so touching watching him talk about Hagrid. Yeah. Lansbury. A- Angela Lansbury. Mrs. Potts. Yeah. Beating the Beast. We, Murder She Wrote. We watched a, a mur- an episode of Murder She my Wrote mom, the day mom, before this happened. My mom was, was my mom was just like had Hallmark on, yeah. and it was like Hallmark Murder and Mysteries on. And it changed to an episode of Murder, She Wrote that had Brian Cranston in it. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were just watching it uh, for a bit there. And like, I hadn't seen that since I was young. Same. Um, but it was so bizarre because yes, it was like literally the next day she passed away. And we oh, had geez. just watched this like scene Murder, She Wrote again for the first <laughs> time in forever. Um, I do want to share this because I, I retweeted about it, but someone... Um, uh, Tess Sharp tweeted out that my favorite fact about Angela Lansbury is that during her Murder, She Wrote era, she made it a practice to hire guest actors of the Golden Age that had aged out of the game because it allowed them to earn the union points they needed for insurance, pensions, etc. And there's a lot of stories that people are sharing, but I thought that was a really good one of just like, Angela Lansbury was super cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Fight for her people. That's great. Yeah. She was a wonderful performer. I love, uh, I, I love watching clips you know, it happens every single time and it kind of sucks that it happens that it has to happen for it. But like when when an actor an actor or actress passes, Twitter is filled with clips of beloved moments from this person's sure. past. And it's more nice really, about Twitter. Yeah, I really like I really like watching them and, and seeing some of the Angela Lansbury stuff that I've I've seen before, some of the ones that I haven't that I haven't seen at all. It's been really, really great. I did not know she was in Sweeney Todd. Mm, Mrs. She... Is she was Mrs. Lovett with um with the original run of Sweeney Todd. Get over there. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I gotta check that out. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Uh, Bed knobs which and broomsticks. Brandon, which Brandon always mixes up with another movie. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, that's another great performance from her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just she's just cool. Um, you brought up you brought up Sweeney Todd. My favorite performance of Sweeney Todd is that original run with Angela Lansbury. I think she's fantastic in that role. She's for those of you who don't know, she's the Helena Bonham Carter role in the in the movie. I that's that is that is very juicy. I'm definitely going to try to find that online. Yeah, it's it's uh they filmed the stage show so it should be easy to 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 find. Um and she she's she's wonderful in it. She she's so good in that in that. Oh yeah. Rest in peace. Um just, imagine Mrs. Potts Murdering people and putting them into pie. That's what I can't imagine it. And I want to see it. I remain, I remain a strong, staunch uh, opinion that um, I like Emma Thompson a lot, but they they should have left Angela Lansbury playing Mrs. Potts when they did the live action Beauty and the Beast. Like that's just as I think that's just as much of a Mufasa James Earl Jones situation. Okay, yeah, I agree. But you know, she got her Mary Poppins moment, so I guess that's nice. Hello. She's. She's Ben Nas and Broomsticks. That's her Mary Poppins moment. I was say. No, she's in Mary Poppins Returns. She's the balloon lady at the end. Oh my God, you're right. She is. She's the. She is the. She is the role that they wanted to be Julie Andrews, and Julie Andrews said that doesn't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to step on toes. And so they yeah. turned that into a moment with Angela Lansbury. That's right. Real quick, you can't see it, but this Emma Frost cover is just stupid. This is a Mark Brooks, like, this is just like, they can't make comics as sexy. It's not allowed, man. Come on. I'm just staring at it over here. I'm like, because, we're, books, because we're talking about Angela Lansbury, I was like prepared for you to be like, in this cover, this is why, guys, this cover is no. based off a photo of Angela Lansbury when she was modeling in her young career. Like, yeah. That's next month's variants. She lived a really good long life. Mm-hmm. Almost 100? Almost. Almost 100. 96 years old. Hot dog. That's not bad. Um, all right, two legendary, legendary actors. Sucks to lose them. Yeah, 
you know, like some release dates have been shuffled around. Sure. Uh, Dune part two has been moved up two weeks. That's wild. Uh, so now it's coming up in November, November 3rd, 2023, instead of Thanksgiving weekend, I assume. Morning, morning, morning. That's my, <laughs> that's my Gregorian monster chant. Yeah, dude. <laughs> More dude. Uh, Blade. This is kind of the biggest shuffle was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Blade. Um, has been pushed to September 6th, 2024 from its November 3rd, 2023 release date. That's a bummer. I mean, it's good. I'm sure it's necessary. Uh, it's, it's more, I really want to clarify. I think it's more of a bummer just because I think, I think the announcement of Blade just came too goddamn soon. It, yeah. it, it took like three not years even, for them not to get even, a bad script. Not even the tease yeah. from Eternals. Yeah. The announcement Mahershala Ali is here playing blade at comic-con i was like wait it was why? so early because like they're only now getting to a script that's not even good enough to film and this is years later <laughs> i'm glad it's i'm so glad it's delayed though it's okay we, brandon we understand the last I, yeah the last thing we need are like i like a lot of the movies in phase four but like you know i'd rather have like nines than like seven and a half and eights if we can get that <laughs> if it takes a couple months to get there i'll take it i'll take it uh yeah, sorry. I was I was trying to say something, um, but my my dog is still here. Um, yeah, I agree with Sparks though, like, because they talked about how like Blade Blade wasn't even on the Phase Four slate when they first showed it to us, and they announced him. Marshall um, Ali came out, and like Feige at the time said it was because, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, said it was because. Um, because Mahershala Ali basically just called him up and said, "Hey, I want to play. Ba I want to play Blade." So, like, I feel like even if that was the case, you probably should have waited till you till you knew when that movie was coming, or even I, if you had something. Scripted. His his appearance at Comic Con has always been a like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> like, it, it's more importantly, more importantly, he did not need to be in Eternals because you're setting that up for failure. It's like, okay, now Blade. That's his voice. He's gonna show up soon, right? And he's not gonna show up for more for years. For years. And then like that. What was that? But at least, like? but at least, like, yeah, I agree. I agree. But I still, I would have rather that we'd heard we'd heard about him playing Blade then than like a year and a half before that. Yeah. Uh. But but I agree. Like that also was just. But the thing is, like, again, it's better. It's yeah. better to postpone the movie. I'm sure it will be better for the movie in the long run. Hundred percent. Uh. The the wildest thing about this is like Blade. Should be the easiest one to make out of all these because it's a vampire man like hacking on vampires, and I'm like, man, like the script's that bad. Like it's it's, it's people so have wanted to know who the Fantastic Four are forever, and we still don't get to find out that movie's coming out soon. Not anymore. But but people weren't even asking Blade who, yeah. and then <laughs> it's because again they got Mahershala and he's like, he's, oh, this will be good for our stock market. If they, if they if they push this back and decide, you know what, we're just going to introduce him after Secret Wars, then we're looking at Marvel's Black Adam. No, it's not going to take that long. Won't be that oh my god it won't be that it won't be it won't be that bad because they uh, have a script it's just bad well they're they gonna rewrite this so the the reason why they're pushing it and they actually this is the only one that they made like an announcement of like why this is being pushed is because obviously they need to find a new director um and two is because they want to rewrite the script event essentially um and mahershala reportedly now has it in his con now has creative control in his contract so he has um script input so and like, to see. it's funny because again, this isn't the first time he's been in the MCU. 
but the last time he was at EMC was in Luke Cage, and he's like arguably like one of the best villains they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So he has a high bar for himself. Like if I'm gonna be the lead in a movie and carry a franchise, it needs to be quality. I'm not doing this for I'm not doing this for Love and Thunders. No offense, I like Love and Thunder, but I'm not gonna make a Love and Thunder. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a good Blade movie. Like I I get it, man. I get it. I think honestly, even like Blade holds up the original with the Wesley second one Sykes. even more right like th- th- those first two hold up sorry, so like sorry, you're, you're it's not even that you're measuring against the mc you're measuring against like that's not one of the superheroes that we're coming to like daredevil where like people were shaky about that film appearance. Yeah, yeah people really really love people like blade, blade. Yeah. yeah with wesley snipes so you you gotta you gotta show up you gotta bring it that's true some mother effers always want to ice skate uphill exactly um yeah I, you I, need to bring that energy absolutely i think i think putting it back is good uh i'm glad that they are showing that kind of acknowledgement of we're not going to commit to something that's not work that's good that's an encouraging sign especially after the she-hulk finale like think like hey you're actually sticking to what you're talking about maybe that's cool that's maybe fun. yeah <laughs> it's timely um it just it's just a bummer only because of how far back his announcement was yeah yeah yeah. Well, Fantastic Four, speaking of us always wanting to know what the Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four has been pushed from its November 8th, 2024 release date to February 14th, 2025. That's not that big. It's only a couple months. Yeah, that's not as bad. That's basically what they did to this last slate or whatever. Well, or, or... I was going to say the Marvels, but the Marvels was actually a bit bigger. But yeah, three months isn't, isn't that big deal. Yeah. Deadpool 3 has been pushed from a September 6th, 2024 release date to November 8th, 2024. So just a couple mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. Wild. And Avengers Secret Wars, no more, no, no longer will two Avengers movies come out in one year. Because Secret Wars has been pushed from from November 7th, 2025 to May 1st, 2026. I knew this was gonna happen one way or the other. We all knew it. Whether whether it was this or something, they were not gonna put two Avengers movies out in one year. No, no one's that crazy. No one's no one's gonna do the Matrix as the Matrix reloaded ever again. I bet Feige was like, I can do it. I can do this. I can't do this. I can't and then do Eternity. This. And then I'll like push, the cosmos said, Kevin, relax. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back and I'll say I would not be surprised if it wasn't Kevin who said that and it was someone else, like JPEG. JPEG. Um I don't think I don't think Kevin would have pushed that. I think he likes the idea of sit on it. Like like in between Infinity War and Endgame. He really enjoyed like the audience especially having to anticipate it. Especially if let's say these were coming back, coming six months apart, something happens at the end of one movie, which leads into the other movie. That's what it feels like, right? Like if you're gonna do a six months thing. So if you're gonna do another Infinity War Endgame, I think having the longer wait is actually like spicier. That's so much spicier to have to live, have people live with it. Yeah, I think the other thing that I I think I really want only because they've announced so many projects that are kind of taking place in the nebulous around these two Avengers films is that I I I certainly want them. They will be connected, but I don't want them to feel like they are dependent upon each other. Yeah, um, I want them to feel like they're just a good Avengers film by themselves. Do you feel Infinity War is a good Avenger film by itself? Because that's that's what I'm talking about. That that yeah. is its own movie, but it's also a tie into the next movie. Yes, I do, that but I, I don't feel, like but I don't feel like Endgame is. I feel like Endgame, you need Infinity War. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Um, oh, I think I think unfortunately, that's a trajectory of of like you're gonna have to like you you have to show up for the final one. You gotta watch all that shit for that to make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll I, be I, that I think like, and I think you can still do like the show up for it to make sense, but it, like, yeah. uh, it'll be nice if like. 
it, what I what I think I really want is because they have announced these films that are taking place in in the midst between. Yeah. yeah. Um, which now that that gap is wider, will probably be a, a few more projects in that midst between. Not to mention Disney Plus shows that'll happen in that interim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'd like to believe that they're not all. Well, we're all before King Dynasty, though. We're all we're all before that. Like, or, or you know, like we can't acknowledge the events between these. Like, I hope they can exist in the breathing room between. Yeah, that the films aren't so dependent that like they have to be slammed back to back. Like yeah. the end of the end of King Dynasty ends with you're, what you're saying is essentially like if the end of King Dynasty is Battle World is created and then there's stuff that happens between King Dynasty and Secret Wars, it would have to be not associated. I'll put it this way. I don't think every project that the MCU puts out between those two Avengers films has to take place between those Avengers films. There can be some before, but I would I would like it if at least one takes place between because mm -hmm. I don't want a situation where all the projects we're getting in between the two Avengers films are like Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel where they take place before. And I don't, want, be I don't want like four or five projects that are doing that same thing. It would be even funnier because like, in a situation of like infinity where people are just disappearing from the planet, all of the universe is destroyed and everything is merged onto a fake battle world. So if you have like the next Spider-Man movie just back in New York, you're like, what? What about battle world? What happened? Like that is a much bigger scenario of like they gotta, you can't, I don't think they can do that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I agree. I feel that. Battle world. That's a reality. That's a reality in my life. That's yeah, crazy. it's happening. Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Adam Copeland has been cast as Ares. Suzanne Cryer has been cast as Echidna. And Jessica Parker has been cast as Medusa. Filling out that cast. Is that filming? Yeah. Well, no, if there's casting, then it's probably. Yeah, it's filming. Exciting. Oh, yeah, we saw a, tra a teaser or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like, hey, man, I like mythology mythological monsters. I like Medusa. Real optimistic. Dune, I Dune, like the this... choice for Ares. Who's the, who's the, who, who is he? Copeland? Yeah, I don't, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, honestly, like, I, I haven't seen uh, a lot of his stuff. I just, I like that he's not conventional Aries looking to me. Mm -hmm. um, he's a far cry away from what they were doing with the movie. And feels more in tone with the books. Who played him in the just movie? The, huh? Who played him in the movie? Oh, I gotta look it up. I just remember not liking it. <laughs> so I remember who played Hades. Yeah, Steve Coogan. Yeah, that's that's Steve, Steve Coogan. Coogan Hades. Hades. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Ares is the Ares is the main villain for the first book. You know who was a good Ares? Um, that French guy in Clash of the Titans. Which which one was he? Yeah, he's got the big hammer. He's the one who who betrays he betrays um, uh, oh, Zeus. Yeah. Oh Jesus! He go Dumb he goes down. he goes to his uh, to to Kronos or Titan or whatever his name is. You got it. You got it. Disney Plus. Why is Ares so far back on this? Because he's not a main character? I don't know. My dog legitimately fell off the couch. Listen, that dog's going through some stuff right now. It was a different dog. That dog is going not going through some stuff right now. Uh, dumbass. Okay. Well, let's move Wal on while he looks that up because it's dead. Wall Sparks is looking that up. Um, I didn't mean for it to be. I just wanted to make sure that my dog. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dune the Sisterhood. Spin ca mm -hmm. uh, has cast Idira Varma as Empress Natalia. She is a Game of Thrones alumni, but she's also a Star Wars alumni. She was the lady who gets bopped in, in Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Malaysia gets bopped in Obi Wan Kenobi. She dies. She's the lady who dies in Obi Wan Kenobi. She the the the, the Tala Tifa Tana. Oh yeah, yeah. She's great. She's in Game of Thrones. She's the 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 Sand Sister Queen or whatever. She's great. She's perfect for Dune. She's very spicy. Get it? Ray Winstone played Ares. Oh, he's oh. cool, but I guess I don't remember him in that movie. Yeah, that's probably a... why he wasn't a very good choice because you don't remember him, and he's the main villain of the book. Yeah, he's the main villain of the first book. Yeah. Hot dog. I, I remember Steve Coogan. And I remember Sean. Bean. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if I. It's been a long time since I saw that movie, but I'm pretty sure they shove the Ares subplot to the side. I feel like they, 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 the main plot of Ares, and they shove it to the side and they make it a subplot. He was a Beowulf. Yeah, I can't yeah. even see a picture of him as Ares, but like, so Ares in uh, the books, he's basically like a, a big. A young biker. Um, I saw the guy. He had big and that's, glasses, and that's his whole his whole vibe. And they just didn't go for that with Ray Winstone at all because he was already the like, guy. The guy that they picked is a much better. Copeland is a better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. Going for. I remember watching Sean Bean and Beowulf and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in the same year and being very confused. He's an he's a he's a he's a worksman, a fantasy worksman. Um. Cool. This is, I'm not saying this is happening. I don't believe this is happening, but I wanted to get, I wanted to bring it up because everyone is reporting it as happening. But Harrison Ford has, been, has supposedly been cast as General Ross, uh, <laughs> who will appear in Captain America, New World Order and Thunderbolts. Now, I don't believe this. <sighs> I, I, I just like his disdain for franchise, except for like the new Indiana Jones, because that's like, James Mangold, it's a different story. He his, just loves Indiana Jones. He loves Indiana Jones. His disdain for franchises is, is palpable in every interview he's ever done. So unless they literally offered him like $50 million, I just it's hard for me to believe this. Especially, he's not going to be a mo-capped Red Hulk. He's not going to do that shit. No way in hell. No. I can't. And there's also, can't there's also I'm pretty sure, he, I talked to Sparks about this, I'm pretty sure he's retiring after Indiana said, Jones 5. He said he was yeah. retiring. Or was that John he hasn't. He hasn't said Don't it. Move. He hasn't okay. said it 100%, but everybody's Every a lot of people are assuming that like Indy's gonna come out and he's gonna say and that's it. Um, he hasn't officially done. That and like, yet. it's not like the director of New World Order is like James Mangold. It's, like, there's no like connection for him to like want to show up in that. Like, I. It's weird that this one was reported so heavily because that's generally when it happens. It's kind of true. G like it, yes. in this day and age, so I'm like, what if it's what if it's a smaller role than we think, and he's not Red Hulk? What if he's just Thunderbolt Ross? And I'm like, I just but. That's what That's I'm thinking. Like, the character, but then why not just let the character pass? Yeah, I don't think there is a point in bringing back Thunderbolt Ross if you're not going to bring bring in Red Hulk, right? Yeah. Otherwise, what are you point. just doing? He's just he's just going to show up and just sit, so just be in a boardroom. Yeah, it's. I would love for Harrison Ford to show up in the MCU as something like like sinister. That'd be fun, but like I just I can't. I don't buy this. I don't buy him also taking also, the role of another actor who's passed away. It's also wild to like. We're gonna take an actor who was literally dying uh, as we were filming them in their last appearance and replace them with an actor who's borderline retired. <laughs> and, and, like, and, I don't know. It's such, I feel like maybe go ten years younger if you're gonna do it. Like, yeah, if you're gonna Red shit? Hulk him, the comic fans aren't gonna care. I promise you. I just don't. I just don't. What the Red Hulk shit like made him a little younger. You cast a slightly younger old like old white Slightly, guy yeah but also yeah. like william, william hurt and harrison ford aren't close in age harrison think, ford's older than william hurt 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just doesn't look it. William Hurt, <laughs> again, kind of looked pretty bad the last time we saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Black Widow, and he's walking around. Because they're like, yeah, I just had surgery in the two weeks. See, I would that... kind of get this if, like, they were already, they'd all, they said, like, oh, we had plans with what we wanted to do the character, but we're separating with William Hurt because of the stuff that, like, came out which actually only came out after is that, but like the, the stuff that people were really, really talking about, like he got on the bad, on the bad vocalist, right. For mm -hmm. the, the way he treated his wife in the mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. and abuse and all that stuff that we found out later. Um, and like, if that had been part of it and then he died and then it's like, uh, well, we were still kind of committed to that idea. So we're gonna just continue recasting, but that wasn't the, like he passed away and I'm like, yeah, the only, do we need to keep that character? The only, the only way, like, yeah, I, I, in the modern, the modern incarnation of the Thunderbolts, like General Ross being there, especially for the MCU, is like a no-brainer. So a part of me is like they were able to work away where like Harrison will be on screen the minimal amount of time, but the maximum amount of uh, uh, effect on screen, like whatever like he puts into place or whatever he does, and he won't have to mocap because like I just I I can't I don't believe Marvel got Harrison Ford. I just can't believe that. I can believe that. For 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 this role, I don't. It's know. just it's just baffling for this role. But like, there's someone's been sharing the clip around where Harrison Ford's like, "Give me the check." Um, right. like, okay. like he's had he's had a pretty good relationship with Disney over the past few years because you got the Star Wars, you got the dog movie called Wild oh, that's uh, true. that he did with them, and that's true. Uh, indie now coming out. So he's had a pretty good like, "Give me a lot of money and I'll show up in your thing" relationship. I just I I revert back to Brandon and what i believe which is like i'm pretty sure he wants to retire and like yeah, it like, just doesn't make sense again it's not one it's, in it's not a one movie commitment this is two possibly more so yeah and yeah. i under, I, I completely understand that there is a that there is a possibility that you don't need him to do the mocap you can get someone else to do the, the mocap like you don't need an 85 year old man to do mocap for yeah Though oh. I really want to see it. That's that's. A... <laughs> I really want to see. Listen, it. I really want to see. Listen, he'd be, he'd be miserable. He would be so miserable <laughs> doing this. can do it. I'm just saying, Harrison Ford could do it. Come on. Pierce he, he would, would be... be a better replacement for this. He with his mustache, that actually he could work. He would work actually. Do you know who I thought? Okay, so actually this is relevant because my mom started watching Andor this past week, and um, if you guys remember the first episode, there's the guy who um, is telling our, our younger officer who's going to pursue chasing Cassian. Um, he's like, drop it. He's got the one scene, but he's like, he's like, this is evidently a thing gone wrong with these gentlemen who clearly were in a place where they shouldn't have been. And I'm like, this guy should be Ross. Yeah, yeah. This guy should be the new Thunderbolt Ross. He's got the, the, the right energy, charisma, and he's the right age. And he's British, so he's got a really good American accent. Just, I that. just really liked him. Yeah. Um, and I was like, he'd be a great Thunderbolt Ross. Anyway, that was... Since we're talking about it. it, it definitely feels like even if it's not Harrison Ford, I'd pay good money to watch Harrison Ford do the movie. Yeah, uh, it's Thunderbolt Ross does seem to be important for the Thunderbolts aspect of it, which could in tie into uh, Captain America. So, like, this feels more real than I than I than I would believe. With as it, much as it's kind purported. of, one of the, it's kind of one of those things that spread like wildfire, at, and so like where it came from, where it came from was John Roca and Jeff Snyder. And then Slash Film supposedly confirmed it. And then that's kind of when everyone ran with it. Slash Films just, is like Slash Films is a legitimate source too. So like I yeah. it's hard not to believe. I just don't I don't know. I am sure when we first because this is not the first time we heard about this. We heard we heard about this a couple weeks before this happened. Uh there were some rumblings and and there was I am certain 
that someone at Disney talked to him about doing this role. I'm certain that is true. Sure. I just do not. The man would be so miserable. I can't he, imagine that he know, wants to 90, do this. Look, 90 look, being Ross. Look, he showed up in an Expendables movie for money. So like, come on, y'all. He, yeah, but that's three. like a minute. <laughs> he sort of in three, didn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, my god, like, I remember that's that. Like, that's like a cameo. It's not a role. Well, like outside of the performance capture for Red Hulk, this is probably the same. I mean, five minutes. For money, five minutes is longer than you think it is on screen when you when you when you slice for it Marvel up. money. Yeah. Hey, hey, I always think of uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter is on screen for eleven minutes and you won an Oscar. So like, you know, like that's a great fool, fool that's a great example. You know, I, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Harrison. The ultimate. The ultimate thing is just I'm like it's just weird to cast someone this old to replace. That's the thing. He is. He is older than the character. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's yeah. the only part that really gets me about is like Harrison Ford likely being on his way out and him being really old. I'm like, why is this who you recast yeah. with? Like, other than name power, why name is recognition. this? Why is this who we recast with? Like, go for someone else who can, like, last the role up to Secret Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Harrison Ford is saying he Harrison Ford's got one more plane crash in him. I think, like, <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know if this is the horse you want to bet on right now. <laughs> you know you what they did. You know what they did? They were like, we'll let you keep the earring. <laughs> you could keep the, well, and they just CGI out that talent. <laughs> yeah. How could you? What was the what was the oh Wesley Snipes did one of the expendables, I think three, in mm -hmm. the desire that it was going to because he was like, Okay, I'll do these. Chuck Norris and two. Chuck Norris said, I'll do this, but it's gotta be PG 13. So they lied yeah. to him because they were gonna make a hard R. Yes. Just like that, but with the earring. That second one, I didn't see the third one, but that second one is pretty. The, the second one's pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. I like the oh, second no, one. Third, third one's okay. okay. I've seen all, all right. three. All right. Warner Brothers Discovery Sparks. Good news, bad news. Yeah. This, good news, bad news this week. Um. All right. Uh, Warner Brothers Television is apparently laying off 26% of its workforce across its scripted, unscripted, and animated divisions. I wasn't sure there was that many people left in the company. That is bad news. Currently on YouTube, or at least I don't know if they were, uh, the Cartoon Network YouTube channel is doing a 24-hour live stream celebrating its 30th anniversary. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's real sad. Well, Cartoon Network, apparently... So, okay. Uh, Cartoon Network... Uh, a site ran with the wrong information. Cartoon Network is not going away. Um, but, well, yet. Um, Warner Brothers Discovery is merging... The development teams for Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios. At one time, there were two. Now they are one. Right. Um, this is this what we will... talked about last week. Was was a fear. Yeah. Um, they will continue to remain their own separate labels, along with Hanna Barbera Studios Europe, which has not been merged into this. But those are kind of like the three animated studios at, at Warner Brothers. Two of them have now become one of them. Right. So. The Cartoon Network's still there. Yeah. There is the fear, though, that I've seen around that Warner Brothers Animation tends to focus more heavily on IP than Cartoon Network has. Yes. And so merging the two could mean less original properties for Cartoon Network. Everybody is very confident that this means we're, we're not going to get a lot. Of, we've talked about it last week, too. Not, no new shows have been greenlit for yeah. Cartoon Network Studios, and if they are to do new stuff, it might very well be just things that are only favoring IP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, like, you know, things like 
Young Justice, which was actually a bad example because that's like. Well, I think I think a good example. I is knew like, Batman I think animated show. I think a good example is um the the Bat Wheels, the the living oh, yeah, yeah. the living Bat Vehicles kids show that's going to HBO Max. I think under Zaslav, that would just be a Cartoon Network show. Like he wants less of that kind of thing on the streaming service. He loves adult yeah. animation though. That's no problem. And yet he still canceled Primal. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't uh, mean like like good, like unique adult. I meant like like Rick and Morty clones and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, like yeah. Like Velma is like is like is totally fine. Um, this is this was a, a wild week for Warner Bros. Discovery because they were they had made the decision to shut down their writer director workshop, which has been which was kind of instrumental in in bringing up uh people of color diversity um writer and directors uh and giving them chances that they would normally not have yes. they were going to shut that down the director's guild of america stepped in however and said you cannot took, do this they to to say they took the motion to say we are shutting this down this yes. is happening we don't want this and go ahead the director's guild of america said no you need to keep that or else we'll take legal action Right. <laughs> it's protected. It's yeah. it's part of the contract. Uh, yeah. Zaslov's racism was showing pretty hard that day. <laughs> uh, they the, the DGA, this is a, a statement from the Directors Guild of America. The DGA will not stand idly by while Warner Brothers Discovery sees the rollback of decades of achievement of advancement for women and directors of color. Yeah. Yep. Thank God. That's awesome. That's, stand, but... It's great. That's really cool. It's very good. It's very good. This is why you have unions. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's part of their union contract. Zaslav cannot take this kind of action. It's really great to oh, see. Oh, God, I bet he's fuming. Oh, so pissed. I'm not getting that money? That tax write-off? I, I don't almost... understand. Like, what what purpose did it serve to shut this down in the first place? Uh, Besides racism. Save, save, look, saving seven cents. Like literally, it's like it's something we don't need. Like uh, more writers, we don't need more writers. We have plenty of writers already. It's 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 it, it is like you know they're it they do put aside funds. Like the studio is required to put aside funds for these training workshops, things that are designed to bring them up into the company, into the studios. Um, they do have to pay money for it. They do have to run it. It is part of like because it is something that's part of the contract, they have to give time for their employees to take part in this. People who have to go uh, mentor at it, people who have to go speak at it. It is something that, it, it does cost them something mm -hmm. besides just you know him being racist. But like that is an infinitesimal amount compared to like other things that are of a bigger scale that he should be dealing with than this. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's purely, purely, I would prefer that I only hire white people who I want to make projects. And Zaslav's pretty much said that without saying it um, in every decision he's made. So it, I don't think anybody's uh, seeing blurred lines on that one. No, true. Um, uh, I almost hate to speak it, but I am getting nervous. Did that speak? For the Metalocalypse and Venture Brothers films. I would bet because that's again that's more for some reason like adult animation. I feel like that they might be so far along already that might be okay. God I want to feel God willing, yeah. I completely forgot those were even happening, I fear. and you just put that in my yeah, brain. yeah. And I I'm, fear, <laughs> I no, fear. I, I, I think those are safe. I want to, I want to believe they're safe. I hope so. What's 
this is kind of related. I forgot to look into this. What's been going on with Rooster Teeth? Um, uh, somebody who's left the company released a really long statement saying that it is a really toxic place for LGBT people. Um, the person, their nickname was the F-slur for years at that company. And because they couldn't say it online on like on their video streams, they called them fugs as a way to supplant that. So for years, people online were calling their calling this person fugs, not knowing it was actually them being called the F-slur uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, a lot of unfortunate stuff is coming out about that company, which is a bummer because that is a 20-year company of, of... It's a super big bummer. Yeah. It's also, sadly, like when you look at like the origin of it, not entirely surprising that that would carry over. Yeah, um, but but it is it is a bummer nonetheless to know. It, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You uh, you just you never know who's who's a piece of shit these days. It's unfortunate. I I meant to look into it because of this section because uh, Rooster Teeth is owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. So, mm -hmm. but I don't know where to put this, but I thought this was kind of cool. Flying Bark Studios, which is an animation studio, you know, studio most known for right now getting a lot of praise for their rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. Um, mm -hmm. The movie, which just came out on Netflix, uh, they've also they also did What If. They are also doing What If, I guess I should say. Um, mm. They have partnered with Avatar Studios to develop the 2D film coming out soon. So they're going to be doing the animation for it. I If it looks more like the, the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing, then great. I 100% I believe that they had a lot more time probably with that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show or movie. That's why it looks so good. Um, uh, I I don't I won't hold what if against them because I know what they're capable of. That feels more they, like like <laughs> they have also they have a very so you know when you look at an animation company there's a, most of the time they stick to one style. Um, Studio Mir, uh, who I love and did the first two Avatar the Last Airbender Avatar the Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, um, while they have different styles they were both done by Studio Mir uh, primarily. Studio Mirror has kind of fallen into a style that you constantly see with like Dota's Dragonblood or um, the Witcher Blood something of the Witcher movie that came out. Um, and what they do, uh, Flying Bark, I looked at their website and they've got lots of 3D animation, kids 3D animation, which uh, different. Um, what if animation, kind of TM TMNT animation. So they have a very varied palette of animation quality uh, um, and I think it's kind of interesting. Um, what if has good action? I do want to point that out. I, I really mm -hmm. like some sure. of the what if action. Um, yeah. But TMNT is kind of, I think where they really shine it was with Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do think we'll probably be seeing something akin to that or even a completely different uh, animation style because like I said, they vary a lot. So I'm not too worried because they're committed to 2D for Avatar, yeah. so... Until that changes, I won't be I won't be too stressed. Yes, I agree. Trailers. Ooh. We're here. We're at the trailer park. Pull on in. House party. This looks this looks like a like a like a good fun like a good fun movie. I'll I'll watch it on a streaming service probably. Yeah. Uh, uh, it does look like I definitely laughed some of some some of the jokes. Uh, two guys are staying at LeBron's house. LeBron is very clearly making fun of himself, which is fun. Like I after Space Jam, which I didn't see, 
But like LeBron is like a charismatic fun guy, so I don't see I don't mind him showing up in movies. That's not a problem what, for me. What is with black dads having a week to get ten thousand dollars to send their little girl to school? Is that the day they shift? Too? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Because I just watched it this week, and then that's lately in the trailer. I was like, "What is with this? Who had is this, this a Netflix movie? Who had this script is this a idea movie? and keeps taking it no, around?" No, it's theaters. It's okay. theaters. Oh, our cats are going crazy. Uh, I thought yeah. I saw this looked very funny. Actually, I was. Mm-hmm. I, I I saw this in theaters because this this dropped with Halloween ends like this was like the big deal not a big deal but like this was meant to drop with Halloween ends in theaters yeah. and then the drop online the day after um, so I saw it in theaters I I thought it looked very funny I I'm 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 actually excited for this I I do like the premise of like two guys are staying at a house so they're gonna throw a house party for a bunch of celebrities so like there'll be a bunch of fun cameos we saw a couple in the trailer I do I do like that it doesn't uh you know the trailers already told me like this doesn't come from nowhere it's not just a guy who cleans a house and decides we'll throw this big part like he's a promoter yeah it's the thing he does mm-hmm. so he's like this is the fastest way we're gonna get it mm-hmm. yeah it looks, yeah, it looks like, a, like a good a, a good fun movie but man there's a lot of movies come out in theaters i'm glad i'm glad lebron james continues to be willing to laugh at himself yeah making fun of his own the... airline and stuff yeah what was the joke in the beginning where it was like you just curse what would jesus say about that he'd say get your off get off your damn ass that was pretty good. Yeah, I did like that. And all the homes too. Yeah, this looked good. Yeah, another 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 good trailer. Uh, uh, continue to have great chemistry. Those two. I gotta watch that first one. I really like the first Enola Holmes. I think I might like this one more. This kind of has the air of someone of like the first one. They weren't quite sure what they had, and they were kind of figuring it out on the way. This one feels more confident than the first film, and could potentially be a lot better as much as i like the first film i think this could be a lot better yeah uh, millie bobby brown has definitely like she owns this role um i really like henry cavill what we're seeing of henry cavill as sherlock in this um the acknowledgement that helena von harm Car- carter is also sherlock's dad and sherlock's mom is very funny to me for some reason i think brown's also just a more confident actor at this point because when the first one came out like she was in king of the monsters but like this was the first thing that was really going to be like a a defining role that wasn't a character yeah like a defining role that was apart from 11 yeah and like Mm -hmm. kind of a make or break moment of can you be anything other than 11 yes and the lead because she's not the lead in stranger things or even king of the monsters she's the lead in this right right and so i i think like having that now behind her i think she's just more confident in general of her capability, which is also part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The school for good and evil. Man, this movie looks sick. I'm excited. I'm yeah. I I think the first trailer is like a better trailer, but like this obviously goes more into the character stuff of like, oh no, it's a, it's a it's a, a kid a swap. switcheroo. Switcheroo. Oh no, Future Friday. Parent trap. <laughs> this has <laughs> the same. Evil. This has the same. I had the same reaction to this trailer as I did watching the Transformers, the most recent Transformers Earthspark trailer, which I didn't put on here because we watched that first trailer and nobody gave a shit. Um, but like the Transformers Earthspark, it has Megatron be a reformed good guy. Like he was a Decepticon and now he's on the side of the Autobots. And I was like, if you had led with that, mm-hmm. I would have been at least more interested in, the, in this. And I, same, I had the same thing about the school, school for Good and Evil in a way. Like I liked the first trailer. But like, I love the idea that they that they're a princess and a bad person, or like an evil person. I don't know. A witch. A witch. Swapped. They were right. they went to the wrong schools on accident. And I think that's really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. It, it looks, yeah, it looks like really inventive. And like, I love Charlize Theron. Like, I forgot um, Lawrence Fishburne is in this. Like, he looks fun. Like, this looks like a fun, like a fun, good time, like a good fantasy escape movie. It also seems like they're doing a lot of, like, there's potential here for a lot of stuff about like predetermined fate and how much of it is like something that you're born to be and something that you're going to choose to be. And how does the environment you're in shape what you become? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that's, that's got a lot of potential to be cool. Yeah. Wendell and wild. Man, this looks great. This comes out soon. I'm excited for this one. Uh, Man, that's not motion. Looks so good. Uh, I love, I love, uh, uh, just like how creative it looks, and like it's like a cool dreamscape. Yeah, I there's a shot that I really love where she's because she's got like a mouth on the back of her hand, and she puts her her hand over her mouth, and like the the finger is like the 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 no nose thing, and um, yes, that that looked really cool. Uh, the magical morticians. Yes. Yeah. There's a section in this where I just want to. I wonder if they're doing anything with this, but I was pretty sure I, I caught, caught this right. Like a, a constable, so a cop, right? Dissolves into something monstrous. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, our protagonists are are, are, are black, so like... Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I, I'm hoping. I'm like, if it dives into that kind of crazy shit while also being like a cool spooky, spooky supernatural thing. I'm, I'm, like, I'm yeah. hoping. I'm hoping. Because like, that Beale. was a moment where I'm like, even if even if it's like a, a just that one moment in the film, like if you're doing a, uh, oh, this cop was a monster kind of moment, that's still like... That's fun. That's you don't cool. need to be a monster to be a monster. Yeah. Did you guys hear, see what um, he was talking about? Uh, Coraline. Doing, he was doing something. He was doing something recently. Probably, I think a Coraline screening. And he was talking about doing this movie and being asked to come. Like he was asked, like, what took you so long to come back and do another stop motion film? And it's like honestly, after Coraline, I was nobody. Nobody saw that movie. I was defeated, um, and I wanted to, and I just didn't know what to do. And then Jordan Peele called. I love so, so he was just so, waiting for the waiting for the right bad, collaborator. But, but, it's so unfortunate that's his response because I'm like, so many people love Coraline, even if like people it, didn't see it for the theatrical has, release. Like that that movie has retained strongly. And it's only gotten, I think, stronger with the internet yeah, over time, too. Yeah. Coraline is interestingly enough my least favorite of Leica's films, but it is the most popular. It's the one that made the most money. All of their films have had diminishing returns ever since. I find mm-hmm. that so interesting. This is after Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, At that Leica. Wasn't... Oh, Leica. Yeah, duh. like the yeah, studio. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, Leica, Leica, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like obviously, Nightmare Before Christmas is a huge success. For, no, no, for yeah, Christmas. yeah. You were thinking of Selleck's career. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of his career sure, specifically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he 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 was talking about uh, Coraline, and I got, I was also confused, but I'm glad he came back because I really like him. I think he's an incredible animator, um, and his stop motion work is, is and so unique. This is Netflix. Yes. That Netflix actually took a gamble on this is actually like good on them because like, I, just, I just this is the second stop motion film coming to Netflix after Pinocchio. Oh, before yeah. Pinocchio. Uh, I just want to I just want to pitch something to you guys that I want to stress will absolutely not happen whatsoever. Um, Henry Selick and Jordan Peele team to make the Gargoyles movie gar- that Jordan Peele wants to make. Stop motion. Yeah, <gasps> Gargoyles. <gasps> oh, Imagine when like they have their you know their wide out eyes. Uh, oh my god. And their transformation, oh, yeah, yeah, that actually, and it'll solve the budget problem. Yeah, so you can make it. Oh, it's never. That's too good. You shouldn't have said that to me. Yeah. So well, now I'll be disappointed <laughs> if they ever make that movie. 
I'm so, I, gotta, I will. I don't think we will be. I think we'll just be happy if they let Tom nah, Peel yeah. make the goddamn movie. Now I gotta read that. <laughs> but like, book. but like, if Henry Selleck got to make it, I think that would be exceptionally, that'd be like the that wildest, would be exceptionally cool. That'd be like the wildest choices he could ever make. Yeah. Oh my god. Which means they would never make it. Which means they will never make it. Or um, <laughs> which one? I, yeah, I'm. I'm really excited for this movie. Uh, I really like the part where she's getting called away by the Green Lantern ring. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Megan. Uh, she's a uh, she's over in bed already. I'm guy. really I'm really glad you made that joke. I it's nice. Would. It's, yeah. it's nice to have a friend, isn't it? <laughs> this is deeply uncomfortable. Uh, God, I'm so stoked for this movie. I can't. I hope it's not bad. Oh man, this is an actress made to look like a android. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, because it's looks very good. The face, looks very good. The face is very unnerving. Like uh, yeah, obviously on, on purpose. Those eyes are terrifying because it's like more than a doll yeah this is more than a doll she has right? almost like this anime is... eyes yeah yeah but like it's disturbing. like it's like it wants to live in between the place of like fake and real yeah like by choice yeah and so it's it's much more than a doll face it's it's very uncomfortable yeah uh little girl loses her parents uh her her uh aunt is a scientist working on a robot doll for for little girls and it's a chucky sit- oops yeah. you got chucky yeah oops. okay okay megan shut off I thought we were having a conversation. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, it's really oh, no. good. It's really good when she's listening to Forrest and then she starts running on all fours. Yeah, and she's you're like, like, you should run. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so stoked for this movie. It's written by the person who wrote Malignant and I, they should put that in the marketing because I think that will sell the movie twice as hard. I because, think so too. Uh, Malignant rules. Uh, now I know what I'm in for. Uh, very excited for this one. Uh, I want to see who the director is. Gerard Johnston. What up, Gerard? Doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. Um, Horror movies, I'm more forgiving on that because you know that's, yeah. that's usually a starting yeah, yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. The, it just, it, James James Wan is producing this. This is going through James Wan's company. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. James Wan produced Conjuring Three. <laughs> that's true. He was working on Aquaman Two at the time. He's let's let's just right be now. honest. Like producing, like we the Conjuring Wan's, universe. We isn't James, what it used to be. Look, we slap James Wan's producing name on a lot of things, and they're not always quality. Let's just let's just acknowledge it, and oh, it's okay. Sure. No, he did a show. He's this is like this looks interesting. He did a show on Netflix called The New Legends of Monkey, which is mm-hmm. a which is a, a Monkey King adaptation. Uh 20 episodes. That's interesting. I want to check Put that out. Put a name on it. Give me that money. Slap it. No, not not James Wan, uh this direct the director of Megan's. Oh, the director got it, got it, got it. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's Keila nice Cooper. Yeah, Keila Cooper is the is the the writer of this who also wrote Malignant. Good job. Oh, and an, an executive producer on Strange New Worlds. Excited about there that. There you go. That's interesting Great crossover. Show. Cool. That's it. That. Done in an hour. Look at that. So we Shall can we talk go about... into uh, our main topic then. Oh, what happened? I, he said the shape of water, and I started picturing a shape of water poster. But it's it's a, it's the fish man holding Michael. <laughs> There's a scene. There's a cut in this. Yes, we'll talk about it. We all did it. We all did it. <laughs> I'm really glad I wasn't the only one. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Full spoilers for Halloween Ends, the third and final film of the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. Halloween Ends is out now. You can watch it on Peacock and whatnot. I don't know why I'm advertising the film, but full spoilers. 
You have been warned to skip ahead, pause it, do whatever you want, but don't listen to this if you have not seen the movie. Or do. I'm not your boss. Who wants to go first? What do they think? I'll go first. This movie makes some incredible choices after Halloween Kills. Um, they're not the choices I think I would make, but I'm also not a filmmaker. I, I, there are so many people who don't like this movie, and I get it. This, I, 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 this movie rips. I love this movie. It is not the movie I thought it was going to be. This movie, this movie as a Halloween movie, I think is excellent. It's not the Halloween movie everyone wants, um, but I think it is a perfect fitting, maybe not finale, but it is a perfect Halloween movie. Um, I, this is like the most art house horror movie we've had in a long time. And it's shocking. I'm shocked that this is, that Halloween is the movie to do this. To, to have this movie is a weird art house indie romance that I just didn't expect. And I, I love it. And I, it, unlike other movies that I really like, that I really like that other people don't like, like I'm not going to defend this one as hard because I get it. Like if this does not jive with you, I get it. I can't, I can't get mad at you. It, I jived harder than I've ever jived with a movie. Like it's crazy, crazy, crazy developments tonight. I watched it also one and a half times because I got Peacock. So when you were gone, I was like, what if I just like turned it on? And I started at the point where I'm like, this movie's so good. And then I just watched the rest of it again. Yes, Marks? Um, I really like this movie. I really do. Um, I think it's, it's very much harkening back to kind of some of the wilder 80s sequels uh, in horror franchises. I'm thinking things like Freddy 2 or it's a bad one, but it was wild. The Friday the 13th where Jason's not even in it. Um, it it feels like it's filled with the kind of like that kind of choice making um but like more more thoughtfully crafted i'm not as hot on it as an end to this trilogy and i'm definitely not as hot on it as a follow-up to the previous film um i think it's a little bit failing in those respects but as a film itself in the halloween franchise i rather like it a lot cool Let's get into it then, because I don't know how I feel about this, and I'm excited to find out together. Oh, that's so interesting, because last I heard from you, you liked it. I watched it twice. I think I like it, but I'm not sure. So let's dive in. So you watched it. You watched it the first time you watched it. You watched it without having recently rewatched the other two, and then you watched the other two, and then it again. And now you might feel different. I don't know. I, okay. I really don't know. I really don't know because even after, even coming out of the film, uh, even coming out of the film the first time, I was still like, yeah, I think I like that. I think I like that. And I kept thinking to myself, like, like I think I like that. And I watched it again. I'm still kind of like, I think I like this. But I'm not quite sure if I do because I have I have issues. But I also have, there's also a lot of this movie that I really, that there's a lot that the movie does that I really like. So let's find out what my score is going to be today. I will. I will agree. I uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, this is not a good way to end the previous movies that have been established before it. Uh, I also think with where they left the last movie, there is no there is no satisfying movie for me where it's just Michael and Laurie doing the thing again. Yes, because then it's just another Halloween movie. Oh, what are we going to battle for an hour and a half? These two senior citizens. That's what I was loathing. That's what I was afraid this movie would be. It'd be just another Halloween. Michael's killing random people trying to get to Lori and they won't even explain why. Cause like there is no satisfying after kills, especially after killing Judy Greer, which I still think is a mistake. Right. Uh, I agree. I just don't, there was no satisfying way 
to to solve the problem that they set up. So instead of doing that, they just made a different movie, which again, maybe not the right choice. It's an infinitely more interesting movie because of it. Yes. So I'll I, bounce, think... I'll, I want to bounce off of that actually, if you don't mind, Sparks. Um, so this is kind of I, I completely I completely understand, but this is also the first time that I've seen the Halloween Kills extended ending. So I did not know what that film was meant to set up. It wasn't this movie. I'm certain of it. But um, also, that's the extended cut. It's not technically the canon. Version. I understand. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it is. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I wanted the movie it was setting up. I like what David Gordon Green did in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. Michael's not going after Laurie. It's just kind of what Laurie is. And I think thematically, there's a lot of stuff that keeps going through each film that works in this movie but i don't know if because of where we left laurie even in the regular ending that i find this a satisfying way to end laurie and michael's story like i, mean, I don't want to talk about the end yet so i'm gonna actually stop there so Sparks, no, that's, i can i want to pick back off that though you said laurie and michael's story i don't think i this is going to sound like weird. Like Halloween isn't about Michael Myers. Not really. I know it's a weird thing to say, but like it is about everything that surrounds him. It's about, it's about Laurie. Michael's barely in this movie. And I still think this is a really good Halloween movie. I, it, so I agree. I agree with you about like the core of where Halloween started. It's not about Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. There's been enough sequels that have made that about Michael Myers. Sure. So I just sure. want to say, like, because I want to jump into where what you were saying earlier. I I also understand why why fans would be upset with this. I do think, in a sense, there is no good way to have marketed this movie. Yeah. But the marketing certainly set that fan up for failure. That's true. The fan sure. who does feel like you know this is about Michael, Michael, um, the boss, and, and taking yeah. yes, yes, um, and and for the fan who that that was what it was, you are let down. Uh, you are set up to be let down. I just wish... by the by that marketing thing, yeah. and and that 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 side of the fandom has to be allowed to exist and be acknowledged that they do because there are more films, frankly, than there are uh, others that are about Michael Myers, not about what Halloween started out being about. Yeah, yeah. there are more of those, and there are people that like those movies, and that's the kind of film they want, and I think that's valid to have. Absolutely, this film's just not feeding into that audience, um, and. To go back to what you guys were saying, it's not even necessarily that like the, that it's a story about Laurie and Michael because you know Halloween isn't. You're correct. Uh, I think that Laurie's arc of the trilogy isn't as well executed because of how they handled the bits to get there. Sure. Uh, in an overall sense, which is one of the things where like it doesn't jive with the previous two as much uh, as you kind of just want it to because you like the first one and and you want this to have been a solid trilogy through and yeah, through yeah, yeah. and this one it it kind of makes the glaring issues of the previous one all the more glaring absolutely which is a bummer yeah um and that that just kind of sucks and it's very in it's just very interesting i'm not gonna say it's wrong or anything it's just very interesting that green was doing both of these at the same time and he's talked in a lot of interviews that i've looked into where he was talking about writing both of these at the same time so he was writing these side by side and he was and i'm just like i don't understand necessarily how you were seeing what you were doing here and not seeing where you were going yeah and that that it feels like you just weren't communicating all your ideas fully to where you wanted to go almost like you were hiding the ending from yourself as you did it. 
Uh, and that, that part I think has damaged the, the, the integrity of the trilogy at its core, regardless of the fact that I think this film is all the better for moving away from those things. Just like you said. Yeah. Uh, this very much like, uh, this is the, the, the hollow, the last Jedi of Halloween's because like a lot of people don't like Laurie in this movie. And let me tell you why I think this is the best version of Laurie for this trilogy. I agree with this. Because the first movie, she's miserable. She's locked up <clears throat> for 40 years. She's waiting to kill Michael. The second movie, she's miserable. She's in a hospital for half the movie. Do you want the third movie just for her to be miserable and just waiting to kill so she can just die to Mike? Her, her being fulfilled and happy, going back to like the life that she never got to have, or she's actually excited about life and she doesn't want her daughter or her granddaughter to go through what she went through. She sees, she's the only person who sees Corey for what he is, the same way she saw the same thing in Michael and no one else saw it. Like it's, she, she, she makes this big thing about like, you need to take life by the tits and stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe this isn't a Halloween movie. I love this. I can't believe Lori is happy because otherwise, guess what? She would just been, again, like, I'm waiting for Michael. I know he's out there. I know he's out there. I don't want to see that for six hours. Like, right. I, this is character growth. Everybody has character growth in this. Yes. I don't want to see that either. I want to be clear. I don't. I did find it strange that she wasn't more prepared for Michael to come back. I don't want her to be miserable waiting for him to come back like she was in 2018 or or half or in a hospital bed for the whole for the whole movie. I did find it strange that she had no plan because she knew that Michael was out there still and she and and having killed her uh killed her daughter. And I'm great. I love that she wants to put it behind her and she wants to kind of live her life. And I love the stuff with her and Frank. I think that stuff is brilliant. Um I when Michael does show up, it, it was weird to me that she was blindsided by it you go i i like the idea that she has fed this town's fear of michael and sees that in the years to come and kind of goes i need to back out of this this has gotten like you know it's that that sequence we see where we see oscar's mom hung him hung himself the other people have, who have died in these tragic ways like everybody kind of looking around the corner for michael and her being like i need to step out of they've this. all become lord and i think and i think that works really well that idea i think the true crucial like and there's just no way around it because of the previous film's existence that this film suffers from is we all are in agreement of it. They shouldn't have killed Karen. Yeah. Because the problem is that like, I don't believe this Lori in the reality of Karen being killed by Michael that night. I don't buy that. I do if Karen didn't, mm -hmm. but, but the, the, it makes Karen feel so forgettable in a, in a sense. Karen feels forgettable in this movie in a way that like, even though I really like a lot of the Lori stuff we're doing, it bums me out that I feel like Lori has this drive against Michael that diminishes in spite of her daughter being murdered by him. So and that, and that part, and I'm like, this movie could have worked even better to some extent with Karen being the person who's really nervous about Corey. Uh, uh, like right away and Lori being more open and embracing of all this kind of stuff and kind of trying to calm Karen's paranoia back down mm -hmm. until she sees Corey's eyes and really registers what's and, and like all that as a dynamic those three I think we lost something in in I talked about this too with you right when we came out of it is that I think it's a bummer that I I like Allison in this movie but I, I don't feel like Allison ever had her story which is a bummer when you go back to Halloween 2018, it feels like we were meant to at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think taking Karen out of the in-between actually hurt Allison's story too. Uh, and that's the thing that, that as much as I like so many choices in this, they're living in the reality of that. Yeah. Killing of Karen that just hurts Lori's development in a way that 
It just sucks. It just I, sucks. Yeah, I, I, think that's I, will, what I, I think that's what I'm. I think that's what I'm picking up on. <clears throat> when I when I talk about Laurie being unprepared for Michael when he does show up, it 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 just kind of feels like. It just feels weird that this Laurie that this Lori forgot about her daughter. See, okay, so I I understand that they the the movie itself doesn't doesn't give us any flashbacks or really focus on the Karen's gone. There is a lot of there are a lot of flashes of the Karen number one daughter, mm-hmm. like pictures of them. She's always referenced in the movie. There was always a lingering thought of there. Like she's not maybe as present as I'd like her to be. She's not forgotten in this movie. She's definitely not forgotten in this movie. Um, she's definitely not there as much as I want. Again, the biggest mistake this trilogy made was killing that killing Karen. Like, and that is that is a fault that this movie, as much as I love it, is it is my favorite of the three. It does not, it is not it does not rise above the problem that they set itself up of. But also again like it's been if this were the next day i feel differently but it's been four years and i think even though laurie doesn't know that michael's alive or dead like i think it's nice that she's able to just live a life it's been four years like i like that she doesn't have enough she doesn't have to have the the uh eyes in the back of her head she just gets to live a life and then if that makes her less prepared then good i mean she's she's normal again she's got she gets to live a regular life i like that I like that she's unprepared because she's not really. She knows he's coming. She almost pretends to kill herself. She's ready for him. Mm-hmm. Well, she knows that. She knows that Corey is gonna show up. Um, and like, I don't know. I don't know. No, see, the, the the thing that I love about this movie is, I don't think it's a bad movie, and none of us are saying it's a bad movie. I think it's just certain things don't jive with you, and that's allowed in a movie. We can have you cannot like the choices they make, but and respect it. But like, cause, and what I love about this conversation is none of you are saying any of this stuff is bad. None of this is bad. It's, it's like, it doesn't jive with what the previous movies did. Mm-hmm. It's just making such interesting choices. Again, it's a Last Jedi situation where it's, this is such a curveball that we're still processing it as it's happening. That's why I had to watch it a, a, a half another time. Sure. Uh, but like, I know how I feel about the movie. And I just like, again, it is not, it is not a good sequel to the last movie it made. Right. If I'm watching this on its own, this movie is insanely cool. And it is it is visually arresting. It is visually dynamic in the ways the other movies had, but not as much. Like mm-hmm. I am, I am in love with the way this movie looks. Like I, I, David Gordon Green had this in him the whole time, making crazy art house stuff. And I'm like, oh shit, dude! Like, I, I almost wish the movie started this way. One of the just because you touched on it, one of the main things that stood out to me just rewatching these past three is like even kills. Like I, I like the way all of them are shot. Yeah, they're good. I think they're movies. all good looking movies. Absolutely. Um. I think that uh, I, I do want to get this point off just because this is something Ryan and I talked about at length after after we saw the film. And I, I, I feel very strongly about this. And like it's a, it is very much a pontificating. This is a world we don't live in. But it is something where I'm like, I think all your ideas would have made more sense if the story about Corey, the core of the story of this movie and the story about the town reacting to Michael were flipped. And you got Corey in the second movie and you got the town in the third movie, like the ultimate culmination of the stuff that is still happening with Corey and the town in this one. The ultimate culmination is the town with Michael and their relationship with the evil. And like, if that had been more clearly the through line of everything, because I feel like there's a lot of muddied vague gestures through the previous two films to ideas that don't connect uh, that makes it so that, if you had taken a lot of the town stuff here with Corey and put it in the second film and have the last one be the thing where all of that really comes to a head. And we talked about like, Oh, if you'd, and you'd, you'd ended 2018 and then you pick up uh, and everybody thinks that Michael died in the fire. Nobody knows. In fact, for the whole second movie, nobody finds out Michael's actually alive. They think he might be for a second, but it turns out it's Corey. Yeah. And nobody knows 
that Michael is still alive. But the town still has this weird, complicated relationship with Michael Myers. And then you follow up with Michael's actual return and all this kind of stuff and, and how that feeds into the town. So it's, it's much more... Because I think the town stuff with Michael specifically is a little bit of an afterthought through the trilogy and even into this film the town stuff with Corey and how that reflects the michael stuff very present the town stuff with michael specifically a little bit of an afterthought um and i i really like the way i agree if this if they were able to switch movies oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that'd be great yeah. yeah uh i have no problem with the way the townspeople handle michael in this i i think it's again it's it's them it's people internalizing their fear and since Michael's not there, they put their fear on Laurie. Laurie, you're the person who, like, he was like, he was a sick old man and you provoked him because they don't know the full story. Mm -hmm. They need some, they need to project their fear on the someone. So like right. every person who doesn't know the full story is like, is like that to Laurie. So like, I have no problem with every person being shitty. It does, like, it makes sense. It will, I will say it does bother me when Allison does that to her, when Allison throws that in her face. When does, when? That's the, that's the like big confrontation before she storms out of the house to go meet up with Corey when they're on the, the opposing sides mm. of the door. Oh, and yeah. she says, this was your paranoia got my parents killed. Yeah. And putting that on, on Lori. And I'm like, but it's again, it's like the, the idea of. of the town infecting everybody. And like, yes. she's succumbing to it herself. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she, in the end, she ends up on the side of right. But like, like she has to see her mom fake kill her boyfriend first. Mm -hmm. Like, I think for, again, for me, all of this tracks, everything that they lay in, it tracks all the characters track. Uh, if this were the second movie, it would make all the mob mentality of the kills make much more sense. I yes. wish that was the world we lived sure. in. Because yeah, then yeah. it would be a trilogy that actually makes sense. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not. It's not. Right. Um, I still, like, I, man, I, people are fuming that Michael Myers is barely in this movie. And I get it. I really do. I so get it. Uh, he could have been in it less and I would have been happy. For sure. real. Because you know what? I got, I got, a, I got the 21st century Michael Myers and Corey. I got how, how does a Michael Myers be formed? Uh, in a town like Haddonfield, it's like they they. I love this movie so much because it's like it's trying to it's trying to say something about evil, and it's like it's dealing with a copycat killer, but in a really man like an almost almost spiritual mystical way. There's a point where Michael Myers kills someone and his body's like rejiggering. I'm like, is he absorbing the, their essence? Yeah. Like, is it turning spiritual? Corey's eyes definitely change color, so I don't know. It's there's some. Interesting so Gordon, shit happening. Gordon Green said something that I thought, I, you know, like I very much agree with. And I understand that this was kind of this. This is the reason Corey is in this movie mm -hmm. is that what he said is you can't answer too many questions about Michael. Yeah. If you answer too many questions about Michael, it, it hurts the movie. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like the first Rob Zombie Halloween, um, because not only does it retread the first film, but it also answers a lot of questions about Michael. There are. Um, there are. There's ambiguity with the second one. No, no, I'm saying that they're, they're, this movie is obviously not copying the Rob Zombie movies, but it is doing the thing of this is how people who are abused become like become the monsters. Yes. So like, because like Corey has an abusive family, just like the Michael potentially had or he had in the Rob Zombie movies. Right, and it's still projecting that idea. But as far as like, you know, how does Michael live? How, what sustains him? These kinds of things. He's like, you can't answer these questions. He just does. Why? Um, why does he like, stand at the stand in the window? Like, I, I, it doesn't. I don't. Well, yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. Well, they, I, I do think like maybe maybe we should have not dwelled on the questions quite the way we did in the first I agree two films. That part. But but like if he, his his argument is that you know you can't. Sorry, real quick, Brandon. His argument is that you can't uh, answer those questions about Michael. So we're going to find a way to explore related questions through Corey. And I think that is very smart. That is the the right way to go about it. The right way to get people to think about something without giving clear answers about the other. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that Michael will always like in, in Gordon Green's mind, like Michael must always feel like top dog. <clears throat> so I wanted, I just wanted to 
bounce back on on the the question why does michael go to the window that is answered in halloween kills at least to the point that people are speculating too which is the only answer you ever need is speculate is speculated is a speculated answer by the characters especially when it comes to a character who's meant to be as ambiguous as michael myers they say he's looking in there's something about his reflection in that window that where he sees himself he goes he sees through his eyes or something like that and i really like that because i noticed the second time watching all three that david gordon green does some really cool stuff with reflections in all sure. three of these movies there's some really great shots with reflections michael looking at a reflection michael being seen through a reflection um and i really really like it every single time um and so like i i like i i almost kind of wish he had it almost feels like he didn't take that approach that you're talking about with how he took with Corey. Like he can't answer these questions with Michael. So he created Corey and how, well, what you said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm vibing with that. I like Corey. I like that. I almost kind of wish that he took that approach with kills because I actually think he, he spends too much time seeking answers to the questions posed in kills. So this was something Brit, Ryan and I were talking about on the rewatch is that like, you know, uh, Halloween 2018 feels like it's setting up. If you're making two movies as a sequel to that one, Everybody's demanding to, to understand Michael's motivations. Everybody's demanding he speak and share his motivations, why he does what he does. Um, and it feels like you're, you're owed because of just the, the way the film is structured to be offered to you. If you are going past that film, you are owed answers. And then Kills kind of feeds into that mentality, this idea that you will get answers to, to Michael. That's why everybody's... But, but, but to your, your, what your point was, Brandon, is that even, even as they give an answer of like Michael is looking in, it's speculation still. It's not an answer. It doesn't mean that's exactly what... Nobody knows what's actually going on in Michael's head and nobody ever will. And that's the way it should stay. Um, you can do a reading where you say, yes, he's looking in and then he left because the Myers house was destroyed, which I really like. I really like there's, there's a news headline that tells us they were like... F that house and destroy it. Um, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. But um, that he goes and retreats into the pipe and it isn't until Corey is in front of him and he he looks into his eyes and we see the reflected shot. We see his mask reflected back in his eyes. And you could argue that that's another moment of him. Like what he's really engaging with isn't necessarily Corey's, Corey being a similar spirit, but instead the, win the window moment. Yeah. That, could, that could be true. Who knows? Um, we won't get answers. It's better that way. Thank you, David Lynch. Um, but it does it does feel like we are talking about like the previous ones in comparison, but it does feel like they are building you to have questions yes. that they will not answer. And I do think that is a Achilles heel of kills specifically. I do agree. Uh, <clears throat> like a little too much setup in the previous movies, but I do think Corey is an extremely good window into how someone like Michael Myers is created. Right. You want all you want all the questions that like the Michael the, these are the answers. It's just it's not through Michael, it's indirectly through another character. Mm -hmm. Like these are all the like like oh why is Michael like this? Like well here's a version this is it's almost again like like if you want to do multiverse analysis like this is like multiverse this is where this is Michael Myers. Like this is how someone who kills someone either accidental or real uh their life is forever changed by how the way the people view them. If you are always viewed oh. as a monster, hold on real quick. If you're always viewed as a monster and there's no one to back you up, you have someone to to take you from the darkness. And Corey has a couple people like that. Once those people are gone, uh, it, he's just it's it's downhill from there. And there's a question to be said. Corey was evil from the start. I think he was evil from the start. It just he was awakened through this through this through this meeting with Michael and stuff. So what I like about what I like about Corey's setup is that it can be I. 
personally, I didn't read it that way. As you, as you said that he was evil from the start, I didn't read it that way. I read it as, as someone being infected with evil because there's a lot of what Laurie talks about that, that really jives with me. And we talk about this film jiving. What really, what I really like about the all three films is that Laurie constantly talks about how, you know, that's what Loomis talked about in the original films. He's the personification of evil. This Michael Myers, even though he was stripped back from a lot of his supernatural abilities, is still meant to be that kind of personification of evil and how evil infects the town, infects Haddonfield through these four years. We see it in the montage going up. So what I really like about it is that you can almost read it the way I read it, is that he is a good person who, if he had, if he had killed a little boy, which was an accident, and the town had, you know, rallied behind him. Hey, it was an accident. Things were really, he would not have turned into the next Michael Myers. But because the town had been infected by this evil, by looking for this boogeyman, by finding, by, and, and, and finding this kid, demonizing this kid, that infected him. And then, the, and then Michael Myers eventually basically letting him go. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of infected him to become the next Michael Myers. I think to both of your points, like I, I don't think I think that the potential exists. I don't think he's evil at the start. I know what you're referring to, which is the, the, you know, the I'm going to so, kill you. Uh, yeah, well, I I want to I want to I want to bring that up. Yes. So in the in the I don't know if it's Halloween Harlan kills, but there is an old person talking about. I remember Michael when he was a kid. He was a regular kid. There was no sign that he was going to be a murderer. Right. That's just like Corey. My reasoning, again, this is all this is all like my my speculation. Like when he's trapped in that in that room, he's yelling more aggressively and aggressively, and then he says, I'm going to kill you. So so his aggression to me seems like it could be 20 years before he breaks, but that is someone who will break eventually. That's 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 what I think. Uh in it just to reference in kills, it's the guy talking to Frank in 1978, and he's saying he's saying that Michael was always a little strange because he would just stare out the window mm. in his sister's room. Okay, okay, okay. Um and that, that was the thing they noticed. He didn't say like, oh, there were no signs. He just mm. says, like, you know, it seemed like a nice kid, but he was six. Like, you know, he was just really but that's what I mean. That's what say, I mean. Yeah, but he was always strange because he would yeah. stare out the window. Like if there is if they are saying anything, they're pointing out the window thing. They're not really like saying like there were no signs. I'm, um, I'm saying he wasn't but, violent, is what I sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, with with what I think is important about it is that what I think they're really doing is um, all of it is choice, right? Because yeah. if you're taking in Lori's narration about her memoir stuff, then she's saying it's a choice. It's a choice to embrace the darkness. Corey himself says it because he says, when you looked in Michael's eyes, you should have let it in. Mm -hmm. What you felt, God, that's so sinister. you should have just let that in. That's so and sinister. So, like, that and moment. so like. I think the potential for evil always exists in Corey. Yeah. I just don't think he was it because we also get the the dad of the kid who's there and he's like, I know the guy who was watching my kid that night didn't kill my son. Mm -hmm. I know it. The guy I saw on the street though? Different. Different. Mm -hmm. Not the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, was, and so I, I think was, it I is, just, you know, I, I was he just chooses to, to do that. What? I was just about I was just about to bring that up. The the guy at the the pool how the the bar where because like I I really love that moment where he's like, I was going to pull over, prove the town wrong, prove my wife wrong. That kid didn't kill my son. But like he he looks at the kid, he looks at his eyes now and he sees that evil that Laurie is seeing because he let that evil in. And I think that's I think that's a really good moment. I I I, I really like everything they did with Corey in this. I think Corey so, represents a lot of a lot of really great stuff. Rowan Campbell, who plays who plays uh, Corey, I'm not familiar with this dude's work. This is such a performance. 
this dude kills it so hard. He goes from being like, you know, like the almost like a Peter Parker glasses, like kind of like dweeb, chocolate milk drinker, chocolate milk drinker to like the most sinister mother effer, like riding literally shot for shot at David Lynchheen, where he's like hanging out with this girl and she's biting his ear. And I'm like, this is so sexy right now. <laughs> this is a Halloween movie. <laughs> like for real, like there's a song, <clears throat> the song is Burn It Down that they're listening to. And as they're talking about burning down the town, metaphorically, in her eyes, actually in his eyes, she's like, oh, we got to burn the town down. We got to leave. Like, she doesn't want to burn anything. She just wants to leave. He's like, nah, let's burn the town down. I'm going to kill all these people. Like, it's just like, it's so spicy. It's so spicy. I will agree. Allison doesn't maybe have the best character arc, but I think she's so vital to the movie and vital to Corey's journey. It's not even, it's not even necessarily that she doesn't have a good character arc. I just don't feel like this was her story. And yeah. I don't feel like she had a film that belonged to her. And I kind of wish she did. It's, it's one of those things that we kind of talked about when, when, even when Halloween Kills was coming out, we said they didn't do a very good job of it, but it kind of felt like it was supposed to be Karen's movie. Mm -hmm. And so like the first one was going to be Lori's. The second one was going to be Karen's. The third one would have been Allison's. Yeah. And that's kind of what we thought we were getting. And I would argue that this isn't really Allison's movie. No. Um, and, and that's, that's neither here nor there really, but like, I, I, I wouldn't say she doesn't have an arc. I do think she has an arc. Yeah. I think she has some material to work with. It's just not the focus on, on the character. I wish we had gotten somewhere in these films. Sure. Um, that being said, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to go back real quick to the, the dad, uh, talking about Corey scene because I, he has my favorite line in the movie. At least I think it probably is my favorite line, which is where he says, um, really never liked that the town did that. They took my pain and made it about them. There you go. That's, um, that's, and I thought that was, movie. I thought that was really good. I yeah, thought yeah. that was a really good line. Um, and I really like that read of it. I love, I love the town. I love the town so much more in this than in, than in the last one. Cause like the last one, like I, I understand like Bob mentality, but I just felt, it felt very extreme and it felt very fast. Whereas like real, real like fear and pain is like more like, it's like, it's like this. It's like microaggressions. Like everyone's just snippy to each other. Everyone's a little like, if you're racist, your racism comes out a little more. It's like it's much more. It feels like a seedy underbelly than just like we're mad because of monsters. Like it feels someone more real. Made the, someone made the comparison that it feels very much that David Gordon Green turned Haddonfield into like Dairy Maine. How like yeah. Pennywise infects the town with evil, and how like the adults in in that town just kind of progressively get worse and worse every generation. And it kind of feels like that's what Michael Myers has become to the people of Haddonfield, this yes. kind of infected evil. I like, I love that idea. And I, and I think they do a good job of like distinguishing that, like, even as Corey is copying Michael, he's, he's a very, he's, he's very incel in his way. He's very, a very selfish focused killer. If I can't not, have her, no one will. It's, it's not the motivation. We know his motivations. His motivations are not Michael's. Well, like as much as he's reflecting like how a Michael could be created to some extent, his motivations are very, very crystal clear, which is like, he kills, um, the the doctor who mistreats Allison, he kills the, the nurse who took the promotion. He kills the teenagers who bully Ooh. him. He kills Ooh. the radio person who bullies him and Allison. I want to them real quick on that point. Uh, a lot of the kills in the previous two movies, it's a slasher movie. They're all not personal. It's just Michael killing people. Every Almost every kill in this movie is a personal kill. Right. Because of Corey. Because, because of Corey. It, because for Corey, it is personal. These Absolutely. are all premeditated choices, which is not how Michael does it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He he is operating completely differently. Um, every one of his kills is for a and personal he, personal game. He becomes so cocky when he's like, okay, like I'm so good now. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna take his mask. Yeah. I'm just gonna be Michael Myers now because right. I'm so good at it. Right. Uh, I yeah. I I I love Corey. Uh, man, I knew about this. I didn't tell you guys. I knew about this shit 
months ago that that there was a lead new character and people hated the test screenings of this movie. So I was ready. You didn't tell us the specifics. I did not tell you the specifics, yeah. but I knew like I knew the direction the movie is going. It's not about Michael Myers. And I was like, cool, I'm going to hate this movie. The reviews come out, cool, I'm going to hate this movie. The marketing, cool, I'm going to hate this movie. Then I watched the movie and I'm like, why is this a weird art house movie? <laughs> like um, I, I want it's, it's it's insane. I want to keep it back on Corey's motivations. Um, the the through that as I I, I really like his first kill with the cop where he like brings the cop into uh, Michael's den. Um, I, first off, I really like how that scene is blocked. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the few times that I've actually like paid attention to, to blocking because there's this one specific scene. There's one specific, specific shot that I, I, man, I love the shot. It's when he's looking at something and we don't know what he's looking at because the camera shows you that Michael Myers is in the, is just, it's just in the corner of his eye and he's in focus. Michael Myers is in focus, but there's no musical sting to like, be like, Ooh, Michael Myers is there. It's just, he's just there kind of in his Igor state right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love how that is shot. Um, and, and, and to have like, and then to, to like have Michael like come out, come out of the thing. I really like how he does that. And you can read, and again, going back to the, the read I have of like, this is he like he's been infected by Michael Myers. He wants to know how to kill like Myers. How do you do it? Why how do you, how can you do this? And and he like and Michael like kind of agrees to show him. Yeah. Like, okay, and, I'll I'll kill this guy for you. I don't give a shit. And to bounce off that to the the doctor nurse one, when he's killing the nurse, Corey is almost like a director, like framing the shot with his hand. Like he's like, What is that? How do you do it, Michael? How do you stab someone in the belly? He's just like he's and like I, he's like an auteur, like watching an auteur paint. Like how do I? And do like what Michael, do? Michael in that moment is is really interesting because he's there as backup, right? Mm-hmm. Like that could be read that could be read that way. Michael Michael is there almost as like a supervisor. Like oh you missed one, let me get it for it's you. It's a good it's a good moment too because like Corey's blocked out and then she opens the door and Michael's there. I'm like oh yeah, yeah. there's two of you. I think that's a really good moment because I didn't think Michael was going to be there. Same. Yeah. I th- I thought Michael was going to be was not was not going to be there, and it was just gonna, we we're just going to see Corey kill these people. Um, and like Corey, me. Corey has this rage in that kill. Like when the door gets shut, he's like, "Damn it! I, how did I?" You know, he, he's not saying anything, but he's like, he's very rageful, trying to trying to hit the door. Michael wouldn't do that. No. Michael would find a different way in. Very, very specifically, like when he gets, you know, Corey has, he's like Ghostface, which is when he gets like hit. It felt so like scream. He he makes sounds and everything. And that's how like, you know, okay, he's not really taking in what Michael is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like he's not really getting what Michael is because Michael's Michael's on a whole other uh, planet of of what he does. Um, And that's like it feels like there's something weird in like a, a possible supernatural connection with the fact that he like feels the need to undo his bandage to like connect his hand. Uh, he does it more. It feels like almost like, like is, is it going to heal, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will it heal? Will I? Will I get what you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah because because he sees like Michael kind of like regenerate, like his essence regenerates when he's killing that 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 cop almost, which I, I think is an, is is awesome to see because and, and he, they, he's got like the he's got the, and then he's like oh I'm Michael. It's, it's never man. they never like it's a short scene. They never obviously they don't have to explain. It, I don't want to, but he just like and I'm like. Are you just like emoteting right now? Are you just like are you hell raising right now? Your body's just remorphing. Like, I love it. I love how like nonchalant almost it is. The thing that I the thing that I really connect with with Michael Myers just in all of the Michael Myers films I've seen, I've seen all but the Rob Zombie films and the last two of the originals. Um, I like how Myers is an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, he really he really is. He'll stage a scene. He doesn't care. He'll be and in 2018. He kills that babysitter. Puts a 
puts a like moves her, puts her in a chair, puts the the cloak over her to make a ghost, and then puts the pumpkin. Big John, in the Big John Little John, Big John Little, Little John, dude. Michael Michael is so disconnected because he's still he's still considered to people consider him he's still like that six year old in a seventy year old body, so he's still kind of like discovering things and, and always tilting his head, yeah, yeah, almost. And so like Corey. It, it, Corey is kind of like the guy who's Corey is the guy who's making an adaptation of a comic book but doesn't understand the comic book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? He's he's doing everything, he's doing everything right, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand right. why it's not working the same way. There can only be one Michael Myers. Sorry, Corey. Uh I so in like you like you're not gonna see Corey lift a girl up by her neck and then stab her to stab her to a painting. In the he's not strong enough. There. Well, he's not, I mean, he. I guess he could be eventually, but no, no, like he's not. The, Corey is a, is not the kind of the, the kind of killer that Michael is. He's too. He's and too that, freshman. He's too freshman. He's too frustrated. He's too. He's too angry. We like like Spark said. We know what he wants. We know why he's doing this. He's doing this because he's angry at the town. Michael isn't angry at the town. He just isn't and he only kills people he's mad at. Yeah. That's the thing. Oh, uh, uh, going to the the junkyard where he works, where his stepdad works, or whatever. Um, yeah. I I knew he wasn't gonna kill his stepdad. I had a feeling he wasn't, but like that dude's gotta die somehow. And like the way he goes out, it's really yes. sad. And like the the teenager shoots him, and then he drops, and Corey's gone. And there's a lot of really great cuts in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of great slam cuts of different things happening. But like that scene specifically was so spooky. Uh, the girl under the fence, that poor girl, she got she got a double. I I really liked how um i really like you talk about cuts this is what i wanted to say we, I, we this this film has my favorite cut in the whole franchise which is a which is the cut after he after michael he killed the doctor and, and the and the nurse and for a split second i thought michael myers was on the back of that motorcycle everybody did it was and I was, it was elation in my like it, there's no way it could have happened but like it's like sweet cut and the music's playing and you see Corey, but you don't see who's behind him and it's like no fucking way <laughs> <laughs> i really it was like a 10 percent chance it's like we gotta, we gotta go michael i yeah. really i really really like that i there's someone someone made the picture i'm gonna show it to the video audience someone made the that's picture. perfect that's perfect uh, so this scene specifically this this little 10 minute scene uh this is a direct, almost shot for shot from Lost Highway, a movie I just watched. The opening credits of Lost Highway are the white lines down the highway that are going really fast. That is a direct scene in this movie that happens during the scene. Um, it feels super, it's like super like surreal and like almost like a dream. Like when they're sitting on top of the thing, it's like, oh, I want to climb that water tower or that tower. Like it's calling to me. And like, we're going to burn this place down, sugar. And like, it feels like super old school and feels very yes. 80s. Yes, uh, and I just like, and like, I was I was in Corey Rapture. becomes an 80s bad boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, he straight up becomes like a Twin Peaks character at, at some point. And I'm just like, I, I, this is not what the Halloween movie that the people want, but like it is feeding me so much that I did not know I needed. Um, and again, it's not like it's not like I Michael Myers is in the movie enough for me. I have a problem with that. Uh, uh, the the idea of Halloween and the infection of the town stuff is so is so part of the part of the movie where I have no I have no problems with any of that stuff. I I am probably the most positive on the internet about this movie. I love it so much. I I want to bring up something that I think I probably brought up with kills. Um, I really like that you can tell the attention to detail 
of all three of these films. I know that kills and ends were, were not in in David Gordon Green's eye, and they might have been he might have been thinking about them. But like the the intention for Halloween was not to launch a trilogy. That was the bo- that was the bonus because it did so well. Mm-hmm. But if you watch them all together, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that will come, kind of come back. So like in in Halloween, the a, a nurse and a doctor couple get in the car right. and drive off. Their main characters in kills. And and in right. this one, that and in kills, that guy says, Oh yeah, I work with Doctor What's his name. That's the doctor who dies in this movie. So I really like how that kind of how how they keep kind of setting up it, it, things that don't matter really that like and 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 kills we hear the radio we hear the radio station for a second and then ends we see the we we get to we go to the radio station I just really like that kind of connection that is seeded throughout the entire trilogy it really makes it feel like a whole yeah the initially I know the the four years later thing was like a big a big almost like a red flag of like are we just going to do another Halloween? But like, I really think that like, it really helped evolve into whatever the story became because like, I think you need the years for Lori to be who she is at this point. Like you can't do it like a week after Halloween or Halloween kills, right? Like you're not in, you're not in whole, you're not in a cherry blossoms mode a week after that. Right. It takes mm-hmm. a couple of years to get over that stuff. So like, um, uh, I, Oh God, the, I love the finale, uh, like between Michael and Lori's cool or whatever, but like with, with, with Corey and Lori, Corey, Lori, um, where he stabs himself right before his daughter walks, but her daughter walks in. Mm-hmm. That is such a misdirect that I didn't see coming. Cause then like, Oh my God, you're going to turn. It's so good. It's so brilliant. I love it. I thought it was, I, I was shocked in the theater, like hardcore. Yeah. Did you guys notice? I could be way off base, but I'm pretty sure this is the case. Corey Cunningham and Michael Myers are the only two names with the initials, with the, with the alliteration initials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a clever detail. That's a that's a nice yeah. little attention that they that they did. Comic book characters and murderers. Um I I really I really like Frank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked him in I liked him in kills. Um and uh I like him fine enough in in Halloween. Quiet. And it's it's really nice to see them kind of get a rom com for about five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I adore that scene. I like your hair. She like twirls her hair. She's like, "Oh, thanks." I, I, I like your face. I mean, I want to see more. I, that's adorable. That's adorable. It, I love that scene. I love it because I, I, I didn't catch this. Uh, uh, somebody else did online, but like, Lori has been trapped with this, with this fear and burden for forty years. This is the first time that she's ever been felt like mm-hmm. a teenager again. This is the first time in her life where she gets to be a real person since she was a teenager. So she, of course, she's going to be flirty and lovey dovey and like. Oh, because she's never got to experience that before right. and i think that's awesome i think it's so great right. and like again the cherry blossoms keep coming up thing i think that's so cute yeah um yeah frank uh he's in the movie just enough to be like hey i'm still here don't worry i'm like that's great you're cool you guys are the cute. chemistry between between that actor and, and and jamie lee curtis is really good they've got really good romantic chemistry that i don't think kills prepared me for because because kills they're not they don't really they're they're in a hospital the two of them are in a hospital bed for the whole for like the whole movie you get like you um, get like a scene of it yeah yeah and, and i and so going into this one that that groceries that grocery store scene might be one of my favorites of the whole franchise it's a real nice like I, I 
I really think I, I I really think that is a stunning scene. It's how crazy is it that like one of your favorite scenes in a Halloween franchise is a grocery scene. One of mine is just people like sitting on on a on a roof talking about burning it down. Like nothing to do with Halloween really. Like what a what a weird movie. What a in like I get people not liking it. I don't think this movie is like a 35% Rotten Tomato. Like it's this movie is like hardcore, not people like this movie. And I get it. I really wish people understood that like not liking the vibes of a movie and thinking it's like a piece of trash. Like I think, I think in I think in a couple of years this movie's gonna get like a second, a second win. And people, especially art house fools, they're already recognizing it. All the all the all the spooky people who like the shit, like, oh, you guys recognize it already. And like even you guys, like, well, like might not not as hot as me recognize like they're doing cool shit in this movie so like i hope this movie gets a yeah, resurgence I, down the line kind of along that same vein to kind of keep keep it there for a minute i i think halloween kills is a very clumsy movie yeah. i think halloween ends is also a clumsy movie but not not in the same way and certainly it's a more ambitious film than kills is and i think that's kind of where it works for me is in mm-hmm. its ambition mm-hmm uh, and I and I think pretty much everything again, what what kills set up, uh, I'm glad none of that stuff was paid off because it's not it's honestly stuff I don't really need answered. So like the fact that it was just its own thing, um, I get I get it's a bad way to end a trilogy, but like uh, like it, this movie is so interesting. it's it's the most, I mean, besides like, you know, maybe the Rob Zombie movies, like it, the most interesting Halloween movie because like it it, it doesn't feel like a traditional one, but it still has all the merits and all the values. There's a lot of there's a lot of reason why people are comparing like the Rob Zombie Halloween two with this. Yeah, we talked about it before. Yeah, uh, I the, mean, like, hey, Season of the Witch. People were not happy about like, where's Michael Myers? This is an anthology. Well, that sure. was always the idea for Halloween. Right, that was always the idea. Yeah, people hated that. Yeah, and I'm just like, every couple of movies, whether they're good or bad, because they're bad Halloween movies. But like, every couple of years, they try something that doesn't work. But like this time, man, it worked. It worked. It worked way better than I could have anticipated, and hopefully in the future people will agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked that, you know, for Corey, he is uh he is like the kind of nebbish guy. Again, like this is a very 80s kind of style story, and becomes the cool bad guy, bad boy with the leather jacket and motorcycle thing, but they don't I want to find the right way to say it because glamorize it isn't really what I'm trying to go for, but like he's not cool now you know mm-hmm. like he looks he, cool, he looks but cool, cool but he's not cool like you know they didn't they didn't um put on a pedestal the the like changing yourself to become this and taking revenge slash murdering your is a good thing as yeah. a good thing which yeah. is like something a lot of like those 80s tropes would like when you change like it, it, like getting the upper hand of the other guys yeah you're so cool and like it is it is net positive in its portrayal and this this ultimately is not mm-hmm. uh and i think they they i was nervous part way into the movie of us entering that territory and i'm glad we didn't I no yeah that, like it, it it takes Corey down uh as far as it needs to absolutely for it. um the the final battle between michael and laurie um i thought it was fine like it's not like the most extravagant thing but also again like they're they're two 70 year old people like i, I don't i, I don't will... need it to be extravagant because you brought it up, I will I will speak to that because I think that's kind of the most disappointing part of this movie for me. And mm-hmm. Sparks brought this up really, really succinctly. There was no good way to market this movie. The the way this mar- this movie is marketed, if you wanted that movie, going to be disappointed. I'm not saying I did, but I will say that because we have 2018, which I think is a very good like 
it's that final confrontation of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. It's not, it's not in the, in the regards of this trilogy, but it's a good scene. I really like how that, how that, how that scene plays out. I really like all the action bits that they, that they do in it. Uh, the, the, I think that's awesome. I, and I think Halloween 2018, I think Halloween, the movie rules, but going from that to just kind of a kitchen scuffle is a little disappointing. I won't lie. Um, sure. And, and that's kind of, I, I'm not saying I wanted a big, a big epic fight. I just, I don't know. That one, that one is the one where I was kind of, or, or I wasn't jiving. Sure. <laughs> right I, when we we're talking about jiving. Uh, um, and I, but I do like how Michael is dispatched. I like the quietness of it. I like the kind, I, I like the kind of definitive, uh, kind of calmingness that it gives Lori. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me, um, I again, I, I did not like the marketing. I'm glad there's no, there's not a good scenario here because again, like these aren't two 25 year olds and like, and Michael, like, I guess the age doesn't really matter. Cause I can be, going be tough, but like, I don't need a 25 minute extended brawl between these two people. I don't need a 10 minute brawl between these two people. What people want, people wanted this last movie to just be these two fighting for like the entire movie. And I find that to be extremely boring. Her fighting Michael is not interesting to me. I have no interest in them duking it out. Cause one, I've seen it for almost 40 years at this point. Uh, but well, we, the, talked but like the last... that... we talked about it into, in, in Halloween kills, like because of what Halloween killed, because Halloween kills overpowers Michael. Like if Halloween brings Halloween 2018 brings Michael back to basics, Halloween kills bring like brings him back up to this kind of super strong monster and whatever. But like that Michael Myers of, coming out of Halloween kills, Laurie Strode is no match for that. Michael Myers. There's no way that Laurie could win that fight. Like he's also in, in, been like he was shot a bunch and he's been living in a sewer. So I don't think he's at 100 percent either. Well, but that's what I'm saying. He, he what, wouldn't be living in a sewer then. I think that's what I think. That's what I think. This film, I think, smartly, yeah, smartly is the right word. Smart, smartly does, which is bring Michael back down to the level of that Laurie could beat her, beat yeah. him. Sorry, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that that works. Uh, I think importantly, works. like Laurie doesn't beat him. That's the important. Allison is the only reason Lori wins. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lori doesn't win on her own. Lori um, is going to let herself die at that right, moment, y'all. Right. If everyone... and Michael, yeah. and Michael, if Michael choked her out, he probably would have gotten up and gotten away. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It's, he probably would have. Um, well, he's still. I, the implication is that no matter what, that cut in his throat, he will die. She hadn't cut him in the throat yet. By that point, yeah, she, yeah, she had. She but, cut him in the. Like, she cut him in the throat. And I then thought she did that after Allison was there. No, so he so he cuts so so she cuts him in the throat, and then he rips yeah. his hand through the knife yeah, yeah, yeah. to strangle her, and she's just and willing to die with him. And so she he's still dying. You see him, you see him gurgling. You hear him choking. And so he so she's stra he's strangling. Her. That's when Allison comes break the thing, and then he cut he cuts her again in the arm. Yeah, I sure. do. I do believe. Sure. Yeah, he would have died. But I think I think like she was like, this is the end for both of us. It's a Horcrux moment, baby. We're all gonna die yeah. together. I mean, I mean just in Halloween movies, if, if they wanted, Michael can live through Oh, that. absolutely. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, like, no, I, 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 I'm sorry. I will subscribe to that. Allison coming in is the only reason that Michael I mean, I'll buy that, dies that night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in, and Laurie beats him, beats him. Um, I do think I don't it, have a, I don't have a problem with the kitchen scuffle thing. Ultimately, honestly, like my, my only issue, uh, honestly with the ending of the film and, and that whole bit is that, um, just the structure of the film, the way the, the the tone of the film and what they were doing with the story feels, it does feel like we suddenly go, 
okay, now we're going to switch to a traditional, more focused on the things from the previous film film. Um, we are just like flipping the switch. Here we go. Different movie going on for these next like 10 minutes, guys. Uh, and that that's just a vibe. That's just a vibe that I feel when they when we flip away from Corey and now it's on Michael and Lori and it's on the dispatchment of Michael. We have we have riveted back to the feel of Halloween kills almost in in spite of not maintaining the exact vibe of what we had going on before up to that point. Um, mm -hmm. These things it, it's it's almost like it's almost in some ways the afterthought of the film for the story the film was telling. Like ultimately the story the film was telling, right? He's kind of done when Corey's done. The film, the whole movie, uh, the trilogy story is done when Michael's killed Honestly, at the end of this movie. I, I'll, I don't have a problem with it, but it does feel like we need to do something on Michael or else the fans will be pissed. So let's just, let's literally- It's a vibe, it's a vibe thing where it feels like, oh, and then we had to keep going for this bit that, that has to be here because this is the end of the trilogy. So we have to do this here. But it wasn't really right. the story of this I movie. Think... I think you're right that it does feel a little tacked on. It does feel like an afterthought. Um, but I think you're, you also brought up that it, it, it almost has to happen because it's, you got to end the trilogy. Whereas you're, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right in everything you're saying. So I'm really just kind of repeating what you said badly, but like the, the idea of like, yeah, Corey, Corey's death is really the end of this movie. If what the, the movie that Halloween, the story that Halloween ends is telling that's that ends with Corey dies. The movie, the, the story the trilogy was telling has to end also. Right. So they also tack on the Michael Myers. And right. by the way, I think I think the 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 crushing him is it's awesome. Evil so I wanna and, and I want to be specific that it's like it's the fight with Michael and the dispatchment of Michael at the junkyard. Those are the parts I'm talking about. The stuff after with Laurie and Frank or Allison leaving Haddonfield, that is still in tone of the movie we were telling before with Corey and everything. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. this section where we're like, we gotta, we gotta go out of our way. We gotta go throw him in the grinder and show it. That is not in tone of what we were just we gotta make doing sure about Corey. Halloween yeah. ends. We have we have changed to say, like, oh yeah, but also Michael Myers, guys. And like, oh yeah, okay. Um and that's it's it's just a weird shift in mood. This is again one of those things where I'm like, you take the story of Corey, you flip it around, you put kills here, and this ending makes more sense thematically with the town confronting Michael in kills. It makes it makes because... more connective tissue to that as the ultimate culmination of that fight, not the fight with Corey. Um, because what because what the the whole like you know this is how we do things. It is tonight, and they strap him up on the on the car, and they kind of parade him through the town. So yep. and then it's time for this town to start healing. That you're right. That does kind of feel more in line with the story that Kills was telling, with the town having gone, having become riotous, trying to kill Michael. Right. Like this would be this would be what happens after they successfully, like with Lori, probably there and present, beat the shit out of him in the street and then strap him to a car. Uh, Instead like, of having like if, if it were flipped, right? Like yeah. that Karen yeah. leads him into the trap and yeah. they, they get on him and they jump him and they beat the shit out of him. They strap him to the car, take him to the junkyard. The story's over. Um, yeah, you know, it, it does. It just, it's just it's it's not it's it's not a detriment really to the film. Honestly, because again, like the successful story of Corey Cunningham is told. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where like, oh, this feels kind of weird because it feels like it had to be here, not because it was naturally like part of what we were doing with this night's story. Um, but I do like Laurie fighting Michael. Um, I do like uh um it's 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 her the, the way I, I wanted to say like the way that uh the I, I personally like the way she uses the environment to pin him. Yeah, the, um, I think it yeah. works for me. I feel like it feels just as as uh desperate as 
the final confrontation of the original feels mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Lori's just pulling every trick she possibly can just to make it out and yeah. on top. And um, I love the moment after it's brutal and it's like very silent, but like after she slits his wrist yeah, and like, she's holding his hand as, and she's like, let's go. It's like, they have like, they're not, obviously he's a bad guy, but they have such a relationship together over these decades. And it's like, it's finally ending. And even then, <laughs> and even then that's something Lori's projected on him. Mm -hmm. It's not how Michael thinks of her. It's something that's Lori's so true. On him. Oh my god! Yeah, because so, even she is projecting something yeah, onto Michael. Those Michael's podcasters face. from the first movie, everyone always projects on Michael. Michael's just like, I, I just want to kill you guys. I don't care. Stop, yeah. stop, stop thinking about me so nobody, much. Nobody, nobody understands Michael. I love that. I love it. Yeah, even Lori yeah, that, is always projecting an, an idea on Michael. Yep. That's what I really like about all three of these films that started with Halloween in 2018. Michael doesn't care about Lori. To to him, Lori is nothing. And she just and so. To be there. So I like the, I like that the the films almost kind of like have to find a way to put them together, and that becomes like the issue because like Halloween Kills, there is no confrontation between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode because Halloween Kills, everyone even Karen says in Halloween Kills like he's coming here, and then they then they convince her like wait no this has actually never been about Laurie, yeah but Laurie never yeah. hears that right like Laurie yeah. never hears this has never been about you. Because again, like Michael shows up at the house at the Frank, end. It's like Frank he's does not say there. That. He's not there for her. He's here for the mask. Frank does say that to Lori in Halloween. Oh, does, well, yeah. Uh, when they're in the hospital, he says, he says, This isn't about you. Uh he, right, he tells right. her that Dr. Sartain was driving him mm. to you that night. Right. Um Dr. Sartain. So she does hear that. That idea does exist. Um, it's just not and and you could argue that that's part of how Lori's able to move on for this movie. But it doesn't mm -hmm. change the fact that for Lori, he still is something. She has manifested him to something. That's something you can't let go of. No, like not after forty years, you can't let go of it after four years. It, yeah, yeah. You're um, right. It's it's like looking at it's like looking at a abuser who's death and kind of finding closure in your trauma because that's yeah, what right. these movies have all been about. These three movies have all been about is about Lori's trauma, the town's trauma, Corey's trauma with these um, with these idea that while Michael kind of exists as an amalgamous boogeyman, he has had such a dark stain on the people who have crossed his path. You know, that's what kills is about uh, yep. because kills brings back everyone who survived the first movie. Right. Um, just to kill them again. Hell yeah. That's and one of those I, things that's like, you know, like, Oh, imagine if those characters could have been peppered in with this Corey story. And then we get the like final come up on them on kills. That brings up a good point. Like, um, I wish I totally understand it, but I kind of wish that our radio personality guy had been present from the beginning up to 2018. So we were always kind of hearing his voice in the background. Yeah. And then we finally see him in this one. Thought that would have been cool. Would have been cool. Yeah. There's a there's a shot that I found funny in in Halloween and so in Halloween 2018, uh, we see uh, uh, the 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 uh, sorry no Halloween kills. We see Allison's boyfriend stumble upon officer hawkins who had mm -hmm. just been stabbed by by sartain sartain at that point also run over but we forget about that part also run over um <laughs> just to kind of finish the job um and the um and in halloween this isn't the case but in halloween kills the radio tower is present mm. and yeah. i thought that and that's kind of a that's kind of really funny to me because it's like oh no we had the idea for the radio now we're gonna we're gonna show you that that's a location you're gonna see I remember, I remember seeing that. Now that you brought it up, I remember seeing the shot and like thinking, "Oh, that's interesting," because they do, they do it twice, right? They do it with Cameron, but it's also with um, 
1978 flashback when the two officers are like he was looking at Haddonfield, oh, a tower yeah. where nothing happens, and he's looking out the stretch, and the, the tower is there. Yeah, that's Everything pretty good. Is... Um, by the way, I really, I, I, Halloween Kills, the flashback, the flashback film scenes are great. I think those are shot really well. Looks yeah. exactly like that original film. I think they're great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that overall, this trilogy is like, uh, you know, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of issues. It's got a lot of messiness. It has a lot of like, not, not bizarrely, not feeling like it's in conversation entirely with each other, even though it's all made by the same team. What is it? Star Wars? Um, uh, but um, even, even with that being said, it does, it does more, all of them do more with what it's set up is than, than most normally would. And I'd rather they be like these things that we can at least, really spend some time thinking on and, and pontificating about. And uh, even if we're wishing for better, like I, I still really like Halloween kills um, for a lot of the value of like everything that's outside of the specifically the mob mentality with uh, uh, thinking that the other mental patient is Michael Myers. That's the one part that really, that, that really just doesn't work for me. It's too, too sloppily put in and, yeah. and killing Karen is a bad thing. But like, other than that, like a whole lot of the ideas there, I think really work. I think they would have worked even more in communication as like, it still just feels to me we talked about this i think way back when when halloween kills first trailer came out and they showed the town kind of rallying together with tommy and i was like man this kind of feels like what you do with the last one though yeah where you get the town like all like ramped up and everything um and i still feel like that's that's i'm glad that this is a personal story i'm glad despite everything that like this is this is what we have because i think this is a more interesting film in itself um for the trilogy itself i just wish everything was kind of rejigger yeah. to communicate with each other yeah better. it's after you know halloween 2018 uh it's like it's it's a franchise like halloween is a franchise as much as i i wish it was just you know like a small thing that like you know it has become a franchise that lots of people watch a little, a little more for quadrant but you know it's still it's still halloween um this is not for quadrant <clears throat> at all uh this is very much like you're either gonna vibe with it or you're not um and like it's Again, coming off of kills, like I just don't know if they were just gonna make a movie of Michael's gonna kill kill again and Lori's in the way. Like I just don't know what could be interesting about that at all. And of course, they could have probably thought of something. I'm not a filmmaker, but like Jesus, like this is so much more interesting and and thought provoking. And I think we've had like meaningful conversations as opposed to like, wow, I like the way the guy got stabbed, right? And that's not something we usually do in a Halloween movie. Not that I need it to be in every Halloween movie, but like this is a big swing uh for for a movie for a franchise like this and i'm just like i really wish this was the case where people swung with it but a lot of people are against it and that's fine um i do think this movie has a lot a lot going for it and i do think in the next couple of years it will be reevaluated and like no nah, dude that movie rules <clears throat> you know talking about bringing bringing up kind of bouncing off what you just said like we've also talked about the some of the kills in this movie but as they pertain to character arcs which mm -hmm. I don't remember doing for Halloween Kills. Yeah, um, these and are... I think I think that's really I think that's really cool. Um, but I want to say the death of the radio of the, of the radio guy uh, is awesome, and I love oh. the tongue spinning on the spinning on the on the turntable. I think that's great. Practical tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very um, happy with that kill. And it's fun that you get to hear you can hear on the radio as it's happening mm -hmm. the music breaking apart. Uh, yeah, the kills in this are are pretty good um um you know not like the most inventive but like they're all really good and they all look good um i'm just again i'm so shocked that this was like 
such a character driven movie um while still while still being you know a, a pretty good halloween movie um i'm really intrigued uh they do have official film novelizations um and there will be one for this and david gordon green's kind of talked about how like they've really run with the through line of like laurie getting to make her memoir and how like that would carry from i'm wondering if like maybe in literature ways some of this would make more uh integrated sense for laurie specifically going from kills to this one that'd be fun yeah like a fake a fake memoir Mm -hmm. that'd be that's actually a fun idea yeah <clears throat> David Gordon Green's talked about how a lot of like ideas either they didn't have time for, or maybe they decided just didn't work for the film format. He knows have been taken over to the novelizations. That's interesting. Love that. Yeah, I I really liked the, um, uh, I I really liked the what the film's trying, what all three films are trying to do thematically, but what this film was trying to do thematically, um, and I I I just think that the whole idea of the of evil as a cancer that's spreading through the town that every year is getting worse because we see like people die at least at least one person died every halloween since michael myers disappeared um uh and i think that's i think that's kind of a really cool way to take michael myers to take haddonfield and it is something that i haven't seen all the halloween movies i've seen most of them but it is something that i have not seen before Definitely, and I'm really glad that um, I always say, I always say, regardless if I like it or not, I always prefer a swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Rob Zombie movies definitely I feel are the most in line with this movie because dealing mm-hmm. with like uh, that is just like, oh, what if Corey was Michael? Michael was abused as a child, and all the stuff happened to him. And the Loomis stuff, I almost I love I love the Loomis stuff in that movie because mm-hmm. like Loomis is a shithole in those movies, God. Mm-hmm. And like the grift, the grift of like again, like using other uh, someone else's pain to to take it onto your own is like what this entire movie is about and and some of the blessed movie too um i just think it's so smart and it's so i just i wish kills fed into this more so it felt like a more natural conclusion because i'm i like i love this movie but it's not a natural conclusion to this trilogy at no. all but it's it's so good and it's so inventive and it's just like again i never thought i would i would see something like this especially in like a halloween movie like it's and the worst and the worst i think the worst just like sad thing about it is that it it's created greater diminishing returns on kills Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. by by being good but being good in a way that doesn't satisfy to the the weaker points of kills and makes them more more egregious that's that's always just kind of sad when that happens yeah it's just a bit of a bummer i mean you kind of get the same thing with last jedi right where rise of skywalker makes the great things about last jedi uh suffer um Mm -hmm for rise of skywalker yeah yeah. and uh you know like you can you can still stop at last jedi whereas you want to get to halloween ends um but like you still have the knowledge of like how these things didn't work in service with each other and it's kind of the same thing in a reverse direction yeah uh i really wonder i really wonder what they were thinking originally i realized that halloween kills and halloween ends were written at the same time shot back to back i get that but watching the extended with the extended ending is so wild to me that at one point I don't believe that at one point whatever that extended ending was meant to be was leading into this movie. I I I find that very difficult to believe. So I do wonder was there a world at one point where these movies were a lot closer 
together. I think I think I think even without the extended ending, the intent of Halloween Kills End is still like it's Michael versus Laurie next time because he killed Karen, and that's like yeah. he, even in the theatrical version, that is still the implication. It is quick cutting between Michael looking somewhere and Laurie looking somewhere, yeah. like they're looking at each other, like they're looking at each other for their showdown. Like it it creates that vibe regardless of which ending you you watch, and this film does not feel in communication with that ending at all. Yeah. Just curious to wonder, like, what was the... Yeah, it's very it's very weird. It's just yeah. very weird. It's very interesting the fact that Green was working on both of these at the same time and, like, the fact that they don't really connect with each other uh, as clearly as... Yeah. Uh, or to their... or to the benefit, really, of the second one as much is, is surprising. Um, it's just yeah. interesting. Like, it's, sometimes you're just too close to a thing, I guess. Yeah. Um... It's been fun watching uh, interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis because you can't talk about obviously like you can't you can't spoil any movie you're in, but this movie specifically there's a hook that they just don't reveal in the marketing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure he's just like, yep, final final fight with Michael. Who I wonder who wins? Like she can't say shit, and she's just like, I just I just I gotta be fun on screen for a couple minutes. <laughs> and I'm really glad they kept. I don't think there's a world where Corey would have been in the marketing as yeah. like the Michael Myers Corey, but I'm really glad they did because every shot of Michael Myers in the trailers. Well, not every shot because there's stuff in the kitchen, but like except for the kitchen, though, yeah, it's Corey, yeah, and I think he that's really cool. And I think I think that's really cool. There's another shot I want to highlight before we kind of get out of this. Um, I really love when 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 Corey goes in to steal Michael's mask. I think that's a really I think that's a really cool. Again, I'm talking about blocking. I think that's a really cool shot. How we stay in the tunnel the camera stays in the tunnel and we see them scuffling around uh in in the in the den i really like that shot i think the shot is great there's there's uh three michael myers gets up moments in this movie then they're all great uh one of them is in the sewer after Corey beats his ass and he gets up uh another is after laurie stabs him in the sternum and then in, in the kitchen, he just stands up and pushes her into the refrigerator. Yeah. And I'm like, that just is so you. that is so ball. Reminds you how strong he is. Yeah. yeah. And then the final one is Corey. Corey falls off the roof of the of the uh, of the DJ place, and he's like, oh, and he gets up just like Michael. And I'm like, yo, you, you evil man. Good. There's that. even a shot where like I think this movie honestly, I, I think this movie telegraphs that this kid was going to become the next Michael because there's the shot when he's in when he's the, the first time we see him in the scarecrow mask which is at the party before he meets michael myers he has this moment where he tilts his head and the blank yeah. expression in the mask and i i think that, that it was in that moment where i noticed i was like oh shit oh shit he I told, he drives to Lori's house and he does the michael thing outside the bushes yeah. but that's like, after he meets on, michael told, that's after hey, he meets i told michael. uh yeah. i told ryan that like i i clocked oh he's gonna be our killer guy when he's uh when we see him at the garage the first time the junkyard and he's in the he's in the blue jumpsuit already you're right you're right and i was like okay so he's he's our guy got it he's he's the new michael um right yeah i i i, I liked i forgot what i was gonna say all right never mind yeah i i, like I again like i i don't blame people for not liking this movie um i there was a part of me that's like, hey, you didn't you didn't get what the movie marketed. That doesn't mean you can't you have to hate the movie because you don't get what you were promised. Like, try to enjoy the thing for what it is. Um, and I and I get people not accepting this movie, but again, like, just an hour of these two old people fighting each other is not the movie I wanted to see, and that is the <laughs> to, movie what a lot of people be, apparently wanted to see. To be fair to that audience. A lot of the complaint isn't necessarily that it's not just about Michael and Lori fighting the whole time. It's that it's not about Michael. 
That's well, like, like it's not featuring Michael in most of the film. Sure, I should say it that way because it is still about Michael, but it's not featuring Michael in most of the film the way that they anticipated, and that's really what it is. It's, it's more that than fair. it is anything. I'm just saying, if a movie's good, you should still like. That's true. Like, that's true. Like, oh, you didn't get enough fighting in your Halloween movie. I'm but, sorry. but like, but like we said, you know, the marketing, the marketing does set you up for failure in that regard. The end of the previous film sets you up for failure in yeah. that regard. It sets you up for this big final moment with michael myers it's what we all figured the movie was i people aren't wrong i think for wanting to have anticipated that and wanted to see that uh and usually generally if you go in with a strong vision of what you kind of want a movie to be it's going to take a second watch for you to reassess no i know i get that 100 um i just i just wish people had broader imaginations than just watching these two old people fight for an entire but movie but let's also be honest like generally when this happens in a horror franchise uh, or just horror in general the majority audience doesn't usually bounce with it. So like, I don't expect a lot of people to get on board with this. This this isn't usually the type of film that they get on board with anyway, regardless of the franchise. It's honestly, it's too, it's it's like, it's too artsy fartsy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Like it's, it's more about themes than it is about murder. And that's a problem for the murder fans, which is, I, that's fair. I can't, I can't blame you. I, I had such a good time. I guess also because my expectations were so low. So like, we also got to remember, like we're, we're the people who are saying, I don't want to see the the movie that the trailers are marketing. Whereas there were people saying, I wanted to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're boring. (laughs) All right. On that note, rate it. Rate it while I massage my dog's throat. Oh, I thought that was my chair doing that. Um, Man, I... This is my favorite of the three, for sure. I I vibed with this movie harder than I could have anticipated. Um, Definitely not perfect. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Hard nine. Big hard nine. Corey Cunningham. You're a... What a character. What a character. Love your, love your scary eyes. Sparks? I think it's unfair that this film has to be weighed down by the, the pressure of everything else that had to be brought to the table. Like, it, it's, it's fair in the sense that it is the third in a trilogy. And, like, they kind of knew what they were getting into. So they, they, they had all the tools to anticipate how to better mitigate this and somehow didn't because... But that's more the fault of Kills than it is of this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie, I think, is, is bold. I think it's doing a lot. I think it's doing a lot of things I like to see most done, particularly in Haddonfield with the Michael Myers idea. Um, and I think the film is mostly executed really well. Um, as a penultimate, sorry, as an ultimate conclusion to the trilogy and as a payoff of Halloween Kills, it falls short in a lot of ways. Um, and it's unfortunate that we can't sit here and talk about how, like, man, they really just, like, what an incredible trilogy through and through, uh, top to bottom. Um, I wish we could. Um, I I really desperately wish uh, I we could have seen the version of these uh, that would have come out without the pandemic um because i think that is especially i think now having seen this kill suffers most from that pandemic change uh, and the the political climate of the time infecting the idea of infecting what that movie was doing yeah and uh, and i think a reevaluation of like how these elements could have worked together would have made for for stronger things but this film itself is doing such good stuff and i think if you're picking up on all of it even if some of it isn't isn't quite all the way there, or, or it's not serviced completely by its its broader aspects, um, it's still really good and uh, a treat to watch. So it's a nine. Yay! Hell yeah. Um, I started this review by saying I wasn't too sure how I felt about this movie. Um, while I do agree with some of your points about some of the negatives that I said in the beginning, after a while, just. After a while, there wasn't too many negatives I had to say. Um, 
they are still present for me, but that doesn't diminish what I think this movie is trying to do. And while I do think it is clumsy, it's not as clumsy as kills. And because of that, it's, uh, it, it's allowing itself to take a swing that I would prefer them to do. Even if clumsy, even if it didn't work, I would have still preferred the swing. Like, I, and I do prefer that they did try to do something different. They tried to make this trilogy about themes, about uh, really, it's weird to say about something because I realize that the first film is is trying to be about something. But like the the idea of like, it, it's not just trying to completely do the the just do a michael myers versus laurie strode movie it is trying to be about something um it's trying to kind of be about that that trauma and i think that's all that's all present throughout the three films and that and do it and the way they do it in this film i think is very engaging as ryan said it brought it brought up a lot of good conversations and at the end of the day i would prefer that to Honestly, to kills because I don't think our our conversation on kills was quite as thoughtful, quite as engaging uh, as our conversation with ends, and I think that's a testament to what this movie is doing and what this movie is doing well. This I was um, worried. Uh, I was worried because he's directing a, a Exorcist trilogy after this, a whole trilogy worth of movies. So I was worried, but now that I've seen ends and I know what he's capable of doing, because like I love Halloween, the first Halloween, but like this is a this is a considerably more stylish movie. Um, and it's doing more with 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 the franchise. So like, if he can do this from the start with Exorcism, with the Exorcist trilogy, uh, and he actually you know plans it out instead of unfortunate pandemics up getting in the way, then like I'm I'm thrilled. I'm so excited for the future. Like sure. I I I I love this movie more than than I ever could have anticipated. Uh, and it's like it's 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 not because of Michael Myers, and I know I know it's like why people come to this franchise, but like it is it is bigger than that. It can be bigger than that, and I hope, I hope some people see that in the future. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that the, again, just to kind of bounce me back into what I was trying to say, like the, the yeah. idea of like what this, the swing that this film takes is engaging and I'm happy it exists and I'm happy they did it. I still like the first film in this trilogy a lot more. So I feel pretty confident that my rating is a 7.5, but in the sense of it's going to be very strange to say I love this for what it's trying to do, but I, so it's a strong 7.5. It's a 7.5 that feels like a nine. If that makes sense. Like there's, there's yeah. two kind of, there's two kind of senses that I have about this movie where I just feel like it's a 7.5, but like there is a lot that I very much loved in this film and I prefer it to exist than anything else. It's a nine in a vacuum for you. Yeah. Probably. But it's seven point five. Uh, all right, book club. Uh, I just what? wanted to touch on real quick that uh, we it's didn't nine. touch on the the font styles, um, what they're doing Halloween. Oh yeah, one uh, two three. Uh, the one two three, and it, it, the people talking about that, which I think they absolutely should. I thought the blue the blue Halloween recent three season, which callback was really great. Um, it makes me wonder if like part of the problem here was maybe a commitment too much to the idea of this is the one that has to be like three, where it's branching away from the idea of michael just like three did mm -hmm. and maybe to the detriment of like what thematically they were doing with the trilogy like the second one has to be the one that takes place on the same night just like halloween 2 
and the third one has to be the one that that's that maybe, might be part of it. Maybe I just I'm just wondering if like you know we'll never have the answer, but the, maybe that they got too married to that concept that it blurred them away from the story they were telling thematically and how it all worked together. Maybe um, I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, also, I realized we didn't talk about the the last shots. I really like the last shots of this movie, mirroring the first Halloween film, but we don't hear the breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing Blue Oyster Call, I thought was a A plus choice, hundred percent A plus choice. The Reaper, yeah, uh, really, really liked it. Super weird that Laurie kept the mask. Okay, now I'm done. Yeah, that is an interesting shot. I'm going to split the difference and just say that I, that it's an eight. It's an eight out of ten. There it is, um, Brandon. You can feel how you feel, my man. I, I I do, and I said. An 8 out of 10. Love it. An 8 out of 10. 10. Shall we do our book club? Okay, it's my turn, book club. So I chose Frankenstein Alive Alive, uh, the complete collection by Steve Niles and Bernie Wrightson um, with... Uh, um, extra art and they say like they say um what do they say exactly they say additional art by kelly jones but i do think it's probably accurate to just say he's yeah, he's the fourth issue artist pretty much. yeah um all right so this is a sequel to frankenstein um the mary shelley frankenstein um bernie wrightson uh there's a beautiful uh kind of tribute to bernie wrightson in the beginning of this book that i have um this by the way took four years to come out because of because of Bernie Wrightson's incredible artwork and the fact that he got sick. Um, so this, this was out for a while. And Steve Niles writes this beautiful kind of introduction to it where he talks about like, you know, I'm credited as the writer, but this was Bernie's thing. Like this was something that he, this was, this was something that he thought of. This was something that he mapped out. Um, I just put words to page. And I think that that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So what do we think about this? What do you think, Sparks? Sorry. Um, I really, really like it. I mean, I like Wrightson's art for Frankenstein a lot. I Brandon knows this. I have a hardcover. I think you know it too. Hardcover uh, copy of Frankenstein. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hardcover copy of Frankenstein, which is the book with um, Bernie Wrightson's art uh, interspersed for some of the pages, mm-hmm. um, parts, moments from the book. Um, really just exceptional stuff. And I, I love to see that get carried over here. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of interesting how, where the book ends is and actually where Frankenstein's monster ends up, Frank, because we see where he ends up at the beginning. We see him with the, the, the circus, the freak show, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't, we don't actually come back to the idea. We just get him telling us everything before this moment, that moment. Um, and I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting, uh, that we don't return. Um, maybe he had, but we stay, we stay in the place of his solitude at the end, which Mm -hmm. I think is, I think there's, I, I think really what it is, is that there's an amount of like even if Frankenstein is physically here, he's mentally always, sorry, Frankenstein's monster, Frank, in this context, <laughs> is is physically in surrounded by these people. He's always mentally in this solitude. Yeah, uh, yeah, the final, even though, uh, uh, but even if not a man, I am still alive. And any creature of this world, whether born of science or sorcery, deserves to live. That's beautiful. Because you're, you're being told, like, as he's surrounded by all these people, like the story of the last time he had a friend, 
uh and it didn't go good yeah. <laughs> um and and like he felt that like this is going bad oh this is going really bad yeah, yeah. oh you're giving me bad bad my creator Our doctor and babies i do love the um interpretation of like victor haunting him mm-hmm. i think that's all done really well i really love uh the look of him when, when he's he, captain america when he emerges emerges from the molten he has no hair and he's he's like reju re- renewed yeah, in yeah. a sense uh and comes out. I thought that was really cool. I just love his interpretation of of the creature. I think it's really good. Yeah. I, my only negative on this book is it's way shorter than I thought it was going to be. This is only like four issues, and I'm like, I read this thing so fast, and I'm like, I want more. I need. I needed more. It yeah. was. I was. It's a really lovely, lovely story about yeah, what happened to Frankenstein after after his time with Vic. Uh, he goes on some adventures, meets some great people, some bad people. I, I love just the interpretation of the monster, um, things that we get, like, uh, you know, just like an animal I imprinted on Victor. I couldn't help it. Like, this is, this mm-hmm. is a part of my connection. And, um, I, I, I think like the, the interpreted voice and visualization for the monster is just so, so in line with classic Frankenstein. It, mm-hmm. it feels very, very natural continuance to me. I really love the book Frankenstein. It's my favorite of those kind of classic horror novels. The Dracula's, the Invisible Man's, the Jekyll, not the Invisible Man's, the Jekyll and Hyde's. Um, the creature from the Lagoons. Frankenstein is 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 my favorite. I I love I adore that book. It was it's the only it's the only book that I didn't cheat my way through in in high school. I read mm-hmm. that I read that book front and back. I was so enraptured with it. Um, and so I was really in, interested in rights and doing this, and I waited for the trade. I'm really glad I did. Um, I love this. I think it's really cool to see Frank kind of have a good life for a minute, and then kind of flash back to. And I, I, I think it's kind of, I think it's strange that we don't end there. Um, but I really like. I really like everything about this book. I think this book is gorgeous. I think. I love the story it's telling with the doctor um, uh, who's just trying to save his wife. Um, the way they visualize uh, whatever ailment the, the wife has, kind of this between life and death. It's what, she has got dead eyes. She is dead for all intents and purposes. Um, and I, I really like how that how that is told. And I thought we were going to get some Bride of Frankenstein stuff going on with this. I thought, like, I... I I'm undead. Maybe I can help her come back to life or something, but that wasn't, that wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I think the poetry, I think this is, you know, I'm a big Alan Moore fan. He writes really poetic. This is my favorite little section that, that he wrote. This is when he's talking over, I think her name's Dolly. Mm-hmm. Who's the, the, I have this too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are also my victim talking about like how I got you killed. You are also my victim in your murder. My crimes are consummated. The miserable series of my being is, uh, is wound to its close. It's, it's, so beautiful, Steve Niles. Uh, he's a great horror writer. He did Thirty Days of Night, creator of that that comic book. Um, perfect, perfect uh, guy to, to to do artwork with Bernie Wrightson. Uh, and they were friends. I also read that um, uh, the, yeah, the forward thing mm-hmm. that he talks about. Like, I never thought I have to write about this about my friend. Um, beautiful stuff. Just like this, this could have been so much, you know, more epic and more action packed. And I'm glad that like it didn't have to be that. It could just be a beautiful story of this person trying to be alive, alive, alive. It's very tonally. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. No, you go ahead. Totally. Uh, it's just very tonally of a piece with the original novel. Mm-hmm. It's very much the monster taking like the next steps of like its own contemplation of self and its sense of regardless of all my desires, I will always ruin. Um, 
this the these lives around me that yeah. that is that is the weight i feel regardless like it's never stated there's there's no way to say for sure that that seeing him caused her death yeah but he has decided that that is true um just because of the horror that he knows he inflicts upon others and uh i i think that that sentiment and um i think the beauty of like rachel being afraid of him and then coming to depend on him yeah yeah is really nice too uh it's go ahead brandon well i was gonna say i really i really appreciate that what writes writes and really understands Frankenstein, right? But really understands what that story is about, what that story is trying to say, um, and he he brings that same understanding to this story. This does feel like, you know, there's 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 tons of Frankenstein movies that are a sequel to the first one, although the first one takes a lot of liberties with the story with the source material. There's uh there there's tons of, bo of book sequels and and comic book sequels uh movie sequels hell i frankenstein if anyone remembers that frankenstein is a member of like the justice league in the dc universe right now or something yeah so, like, and so as, what i said penny dreadful another interpretation very great one and so i and and while a lot of those you know it's really fun to have a lot of those and some of those are really good i really like that this feels like a true sequel to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, this feels like the natural next story, and it 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 works really well because the, where this movie starts, where, where this movie starts, um, where this where the story starts, having Frankenstein begin his story that we that he's telling us through the framing device of the circus, um, uh, it it basically is where the book ends. Well, because the book ends in the frozen tundra after after uh, Victor Frankenstein has been is dead, um, and we this could be a day later. He's still in that tundra, and Victor Frankenstein starts haunting him, and he's trying to end it all. Or this could be a week later, but it feels very much of a you could go from one to the other very easily. Right. I I love that he's that uh, 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 the monster standing on a volcano talking to the ghost of victor and uh victor's like you murdered my brother my best friend and my wife and frank's like yes and i would have killed you too you did in the end but look the mountain explodes your doom is nigh i will see you in hell victor perhaps we need a soul to go to hell as he's just covered in lava and i'm like that is so baller oh my god so good and like that's the and like frank even says like is this is this actually a, a an apparition of my creator is this just my subconscious telling me these things mm -hmm. um I, I i love using victor as a as a kind of like dissenting voice within frank's mind uh trying to to you know casting those doubts uh of, of his creation of his life uh even of his death because he can't die right uh, I love the uh, when when the uh, uh, the house is burning down and Dolly's uh, got the doctor uh, like in an embrace and like there was no time to stop for either of them as we rushed past I caught a glimpse uh, of Dolly holding Doctor Angles in close embrace both of them aflame for just an instant I saw Dolly seeming to grin a rictus of of agony perhaps or a smile of triumph to this day I do not know oh it's like that's so horrific is it good is it bad I love it yeah. I really like the the moment. I don't have it um, saved, unfortunately. I forgot, but um, where he's holding the baby and he says, "I knew in the, instantaneously I cannot be a father." Yeah. Um. And and like that that concept of of where he engages with life. I also like uh, going back to the Victor thing. Like when he's consumed in the lava again, that is like this is kind of like a, a again like third life essentially is emerging from it because for a long time we don't he is not haunted by Victor again. Mm -hmm. It's not sequel. until he feels that he has caused the death of another that he begins to be haunted by victor again but up to that point he doesn't see victor anymore yeah 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 
and um, yeah, the the book ends like not where it begins. So you're, so it feels like maybe he had plans to do more, but just said it didn't have time. You never know. So Kelly Jones was the person handpicked by Wrightson. And I think for the most part, Kelly Jones, Kelly Jones, it was it, to me is an interesting choice to uh, to 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 continue on. Uh, I really like Kelly Jones's work. It's very it's very horror. He works very well in the horror genre, but it's interesting because his work isn't as detailed as Wrightson's is, and so it's it kind of creates an a, a, a dissonance between the two art styles when it does happen, when they ourselves just change. But what I really like is that this book includes Wrightson's original. Because he had sketched the, he had like rudimentally sketched them out to plan out this book in, in general, and you can see those pencil lines still in uh, the fourth issue where Kelly Jones has taken over, um, almost like they want to keep the the outline that Kelly Jones was working with, um, and you see it. You can kind of compare the original Wrightson panels that he had already mapped out with what Kelly Jones did, and how closely Kelly Jones tried to keep it. In, in line with what exactly Wrightson was working with. Um, so it's kind of cool that like, uh, uh, you know, Kelly Jones wasn't really working from nothing. He had something to, 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 to work with. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, I know Kelly Jones from, from doing Batman at Swamp Thing stuff. So uh, it is, yeah, he's definitely less detailed than, than Bernie, uh, but they, he has a, a similar aesthetic that it's, he is a good choice to, to finish a book like this. Um, um, it is looking at those uh, breakdowns in, in the back of the book. Uh, it is really, really cool. I love seeing processes, uh, the process of comic book creation. I love it. Uh, so seeing like the original layouts and like taking someone else's work and not like wanting to do their style, but not wanting to like just do one for one. Like, Hey, I'm just going to copy your work. I'm still my own artist. Uh, finding the balance there. I think it was, must've been really tough. So it felt like his own work, but also Bernie's. Um, but I think it, mo I think it works. I still, I think I'm, you can definitely tell when it's not Bernie, but like it's it's still really good. I really love Wrightson's artwork. Like I really, really, really love his artwork here. Like I I love seeing the the pencil the 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 you know it's almost it almost feels like pencils, right? It almost feels like pencil artwork. Um uh you can kind of feel the graphite in the artwork. And and in the, the backgrounds are so beautifully detailed. Um, I, I love looking at the doctor's, uh, uh, Dr. Ingalls, um, labs, because even in the far, far background, there is still something that writes and has drawn in. It is not, the, he no longer library. kind of the library. Exactly. Just every book still... is super detailed. Like, man, that's so much work, Bernie. Come on. Uh, and it's beautiful because he wanted to put in that work because it makes the, it makes this feel so alive in a really interesting way. Um, I, oh, I, uh, I, I, I I really love this book. This is my favorite book that I picked this year. Yeah. Uh, I again, my only complaint is like it, it's it's really short and like it's it's it, it's it feels like it belongs to a bigger piece that unfortunately we might we'll never get. Um, but it's it is it is a is a beautiful beautiful piece of work. Yeah. Anything else? Daddle, doer. All right, Sparks. It's your book club next week. Do you know what it is? nope i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right what were you what were you looking for i'm not gonna tell you all right is it a book you bought downstairs yeah all right that'll do it guys um that's the show that we do for you next week 
Black Adam. Finally. It's here. The Rock's Black Adam. I'm uh, so ready for the DC hierarchy of power to change. <laughs> I've been waiting for, I feel like, 10 years. Uh, we'll finally get to know what the, the hierarchy of power well, was, and now we'll see how it changed. Can't wait right. for him to be just, just a villain that whole movie. He's definitely not going to become a hero at the end. Can't definitely wait. Not. Definitely not. Cool. Ain't no All Superman right. recruiting him to know Justice League. Nah, he's definitely not in that movie. So, 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 um, yeah, Black Adam. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll do it. So make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. You can check out all sorts of other shows. Um, you can, of course, check out Fake Nerds Watch, which I plugged up top, which has a new episode of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. New episodes of Andor and Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, are coming. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll probably do some other shows we will try and fit in before the end of the year. We'll do our best. Yeah. Um, Basement Arcade is our video game Let's Play series. Um, some Spooktober videos coming. So stay tuned for that. Basement Arcade okay. Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series we'll probably have uh, uh quite a few episodes coming if uh you know ben's saying he had a great time i'm sure you guys seen at the instagram post ben has been had a great time and he talked to a bunch of people so stay tuned for some more basement arcades um, i hope he passed out all those business cards that we bought years right. ago <laughs> um Fickner book club and animation station are of course other shows you can find on this channel uh, if you like this video and you subscribe to our channel, you can also support us financially on our Patreon or our Tee Public, uh, where you can buy some shirts. Guys, if you want us, if you want us to do more stuff, the easiest way to do it is by supporting us financially because things are hard, um, <laughs> and this year is tough. This year has been very, very tough. Um, I, I will not be sad to see it go in the rear view. Um, and of course, uh, those are linked below or on our website at fakenerpodcast.com. Uh, which is also linked below. That's where you, that's our hub. You can find everything there, including the latest episodes. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And uh, thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. Um, we greatly appreciate all of your support, of course. Um, thank, you to, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for all the music you've heard here tonight and all the music that you hear on the shows that I mentioned above. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time, uh, where you can also check out his band. Check out his band, Wreck of Time. Been putting out a bunch of cool music videos uh, for a new album coming for their band. Um, or you can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on uh, facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist official or Instagram at Podcast, or you can just subscribe to it on iTunes. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola is a wonderful human being who collaborates with us and puts up some really funny TikToks um, and also did our some of our logos. We love him. Support him. TikTok, Instagram, at Mike Matola. Also, thank you to original Fake Nerd Podcast member Ben Magnet, who could not be here. But thanks, Ben, for being an original Fake Nerd Podcast member. <laughs> I'm not sure what you were doing there for a second. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. Uh, FickerGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to touch us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Sparks Heliopolis. <laughs> you're Sparks, I guess. He said Heliopolis. No, but you're, you, you, we, I'm marrying, you're marrying me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> My last name. Paramount. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me choosing the cherry blossoms at Sparks Woody on Instagram and Twitter, SPA or KZ Woody. Ryan Eliopoulos. 
You could find me accidentally shooting myself in the face with a desert eagle at DJ Tony Snark 616. That's the, that's, I hate that kill. I know people like that kill. I hate that kill. I, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Uh, and before you can find the, 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 the Ben Magnet that we mentioned up top uh, a little bit ago. Uh, ben Magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter. He also writes for Old School Gaming Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. He's also very happy that the Dodgers lost. Please, everybody, uh, go and share in praising the loss of the Dodgers. Oh, recently. at Ben Magnet twenty seven. Yeah, he will. Yeah. He will get a kick out of it if you, if, love you it. if you message him. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Don't be mean. Subscribe to us on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to our channel. And until next time, we see us, guys. Stay fake nerds.